over, but I just have to share a verse. Amazing Grace is one of my favorite songs. I have to share a verse with you that I enjoy singing, and I know the Lord understands my sense of humor. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved Especially for the the new and ACB approved rendition of Amazing Grace by Vicki Curley. <laughs> like it a lot. Thank you, Vicki. What a great job. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so Vicki Vicky hails from, let's see if I can say this, Rotondo, Rotonda, West Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, she's piano and vocals, and she did a great job, so thank you. Good morning, everyone. Believe it or not, you've all survived to the last day of the ACB annual convention. Yay! <laughs> so, congratulations to all of you, and I know more are coming down the hallways. So, um, to help us get started in the right direction here this morning, um, we can call upon one of our own members from, um, from Wisconsin, who is the interim pastor of the St. John's Lutheran Church in Baraboo, Wisconsin, um, Peter Heidi. Peter, thank you for leading us in the invocation today. Good morning, ACB. All of us have hindsight. All of us, in hindsight, have 2020 vision. Almost anybody can say that. But as as I was thinking about what I could say as a pastor, and with the theme of the year of picturing the future, that blind people can have as clear a vision of the future as as our sighted counterparts. 
sometimes even clearer because our vision of the future includes sighted people with us. And so as we look to the future this year, let us choose the leaders who can lead us to where we are going. From a piece of scripture this week I read, read Blessed are the eyes of those who see what you see. For I tell you, many prophets and kings desire to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. As we picture our future, we choose the leaders who will take us where we need to go, knowing that God walks with us. So let us pray. Lord, as the touch of the blind know Braille, know us. As the print of the visually impaired is bold, make us bold to act. As the sound of our words bring meaning and presence to one another, so might your word make your presence known to us as we walk together for the sake of our neighbors and for those who will come after us. We pray in the name of the one who creates, redeems, and sanctifies us all. Amen. To lead us this morning in the Pledge of Allegiance, I introduce to you our two first-timers from uh, the DKM, Derwood K. McDaniel Committee, Ted Boardman from Bloomington, Indiana, and Stephen Salas from Austin, Texas. Gentlemen, please stand. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, for liberty and justice for all. Thank you. <laughs> Not this weekend, right? All-star break. <laughs> Ah, I know it. Somebody said, wow, Kim knows that. Woo. <laughs> ah, the American League. Well, I did not know that. Thank you. I'm getting the full-scale report up here now of uh, the game. And <laughs> All right. Well, to hear about our sponsorships and to say one last great big ACB thank you, for all the support we've received this year from our sponsors, it's my pleasure to welcome Marjorie Beeman. Thank you, Madam President. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. This is my last morning to wake you up. <laughs> Crown Jewel sponsors 50,000. Ira, reduced hotel rates for convention attendees. Give them a hand. Diamond sponsors, 25,000. Google, ACB Conference Banquet. JP Morgan Chase, 
off-site ACB educational and recreational events, reduced ticket pricing for all events. Microsoft, conference participation and development training for future leaders. Vanda, exhibit hall and ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk. Verizon, Verizon Media, audio visual services in general sessions and all event meeting rooms. Vespiro, ACB radio streaming. Give them a hand. Emerald sponsors 15,000, Comcast, conference registration. Sprint, conference communication center and newspaper. Uber, ACB radio afternoon broadcast. Give them a hand. Ruby sponsors 10,000, Adobe Systems, ACB scholarship mentoring program. Amazon Audio Description Program, AT&T, ACB Workshop and Seminar Programming, Cisco Continuing Education Credits, Facebook All General Sessions, Humanware, ACB Auction, Orcom, ACB Cafe, Spectrum, Interpreter Services for Deaf-Blind Attendees, and Walmart. Give them a hand. Onyx sponsors, 5,000, Buell Fund, Recreation Zone, and ACB, Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk. National Association of Broadcasters, General Operations Support. National Industries for the Blind, ACB Marketplace. Macular Degeneration, ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk. Give them a hand. <laughs> Topaz sponsors 3,000. HIMS ACB Link. ACB Lines Scholarship Travel. Give them a hand. Coral sponsors 2,000. RSVA Outstanding Student Orientation Dinner and Luncheon. New York State Commission for the Blind, Affiliate President's Seminar. Give them a hand. <laughs> Pearl Sponsors, 1,000. Access Ready, sponsored by Votech. <coughs> ACB Cafe Day, Sunday, July the 7th. Barclay Damon, LLP, General Operation Support. Library Users of America, Talking Book Narrator at Convention. The Lighthouse for the Blind Incorporated in Seattle, ACB Cafe Day, Monday, July the 8th. Track Phone Wireless Affiliate and Chapter Development Seminar. Give them a hand. Individual sponsors, today I'll read the bronze, 25. Colbert Ashby. Gary Austin, Patricia Austin, Natalie Barrett, Mia Bowmaster, Susan Bowmaster, Robert Bradley, Ann Brash, Michael Byington, Kimberly Carmichael, June Carter, Lawrence Carter, Kathy Ca Casey, 
Natalie Couch, Joan Cox, Charlie Crawford, Crispy Crispin, Charles Cronin, Thomas Cummings, Denise Decker, Christopher Devon, Kathleen Devon, Mike Duke, Kenneth Durden, Suzanne Erb, D. Escabel, Darren Slayton Fleming, Nanette Garner, Kathy Gerhardt, Mike Godina, Chris Grabuski, Gabe Griffin, Debbie Hazelton, Kathy Holly, Marion Howell, Susanna Howell, Linda Hunt, Connie Giacomini, Mike Giacomini, Paul Kelly, Kathleen Kent, Jerry Coors, Jeanette Kuskash, Cindy Lebon, Pamela Lotz, Joe Lopez, Kay Love, Thomas Love, Jane Lund, Danella DJ McIntyre, Adele Morrill, Betty Noble, Ellen Nolan, Deanne Norega, Michael O'Brien, Norman Ota, Doug Powell, Bruce Radke, Vicki Radcliffe, Angela Rideau, Carrie Reagan, Carl Richardson, Bonnie Robertson, Stephen Robertson, Myra Ross, Debbie Rosera, Lori Scherf, Chef, uh, Rachel Schreider, Schroeder, Donna Seliger, Patty Slabby, John Smith, Joe Sorensen, Ellen Telker, Leslie Tom, Lindsay Tilden, David Trott, Rhonda Trott, Pat Tussing, Vicki Void, and Sandy Wilbur. Give them a hand. It's never too late to donate. Thank you so much. I'll turn it over to Madam President. And one more time, a big thank you for Marjorie for all of her great work with sponsors and running around and helping at the airport. She just never fails to be there, wherever there may be. She's there. Thank you, Marjorie. We're going to have some um, ACB Angel presentations next. First, we're going to recognize um, Edith and James Carter, and Gordon Dykes will be speaking on their behalf. I felt bad because on the program, you saw Edith was yesterday and James was today, so we corrected our, our inadvertent separation of them. Even as they're angels, we wanted to do it together, so now they're back together. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you and good morning. Morning. And in honor of James and Edith Carter, we called him Jim most of the time. We have a donation of $50 to ACB Radio. We need them and we're grateful for them. And let me share just a little bit about these two folks with you. They were in the vending program, James was, and these people, the years that I knew them were inseparable. They work together. They live together. Evidently got along real well, too. <laughs> they, uh, they were wonder wonderful folks. They were two different individuals, but that's okay, too. They, James was in the um, vending program for years. They became part of ACB in 1970 and were very active, both of them, the rest of their life. Jim um, retired 
in 96, and they, they were both very active. A lot in the state of Tennessee, he served as news editor, and he also served as um, first vice president for a number of years. Uh, Edith uh, also served in offices too, but Jim was very active and, and was president of the East Tennessee Council of the Blind Group for an, a number of years. He was, he was active for about 37 and a half years and when he passed away in 2007. Edith, I think you could just write officer to her name anytime you mentioned Edith Carter. Officer could have been her middle name. She served in Tennessee as treasurer. She served as secretary. Uh, in the East Tennessee chapter, she served as treasurer. She served as secretary and had 49 years of service in the uh, American Council of the Blind. In 2007, Linda Dykes and Otis Stevens and Mike Gradino almost got caught buying Edith a lifetime membership. It was done on the spur of the moment. Edith had no idea what was taking place and I walked out from where we were and she said, where are you going? And I said, I'll be back later. And I was up here and was uh, privileged and blessed to make that presentation to her. She was serving as president of the East Tennessee chapter at her death. It was, uh, it was in January of this year. It was quite sudden. And I'll give you one of her quotes. Last year she had gone to the doctor a number of times. And this was already set up for Jim to be done. It was in the making. Things were going. And Edith said, and I quote, I'm going to New York if I have to mortgage my house. But um, she's in her heavenly home now. And, uh, she, but she was very active. She, as long as we were in this organization, uh, she, she, all, she served as an off officer in, in our group. The first time Linda and I went and, and Karen and Dee Snyder were there, at uh, that time, and for better than 20 years, we had our meetings at the home of Jim and Edith Carter. And uh, so the first time that Linda and I went, we were invited by a, a member of the group, and uh, actually maybe two members of the group, and uh, we, we showed up. So... They said, your lunch is free. So we thanked them and offered to pay them for it and talked a bit. So as soon as lunch was over, Jim said, Gordon, are you and Linda ready to join now? <laughs> then they had their meeting. But those are memorable things and pleasurable things. These, these were two wonderful people. And Edith was a part of this our group, our chapter, and in the state of Tennessee, and very, very active. She worked on a number of committees, and like I said, she was uh, 
officer was attached to her name everywhere she went. In her church work and uh, places that she volunteered for work, she, she was just called on. And she filled those positions very well. So I would say that people that have been mentioned, and I wouldn't dare name the whole list because I would forget one, but how honorable and what a blessing, what a privilege it is for some of us to be able to speak in regards of some of these people. And they were blessed and they've deserved what they've gotten. Thank you. Thank you, Gordon. Nice job. Thank you. Next to speak on behalf of the Angel Wall presentation for James Vernon Daigle from Louisiana is Herbert Rito. I, um, I just wanted to say I remember Vernon from the early days of the Braille Revival League, um, way back in my early times in ACB, and he was always there and such an advocate, so it's an honor to honor him and recognize him as an angel for ACB. Thank you, Herbert. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you, and good morning, ACB. Thank you, ACB and the Angel Tree Committee. I'm Herbert Rito from the Louisiana Council of the Blind. Our president, Leola Campbell, is not here. She's afraid of flying. <clears throat> James Vernon Dago, we refer to him as Vernon, was born February the 2nd, 1930. He passed away on May 25th, 2018. Vernon was a retired music technician and an active member of the Knights of Columbus. Vernon was married to the love of his life, Hazel, in 1960. He retired as a piano tuner from the Louisiana State University. Vernon was a dedicated member of the Louisiana Council of the Blind and the American Council of the Blind. He served on numerous committee and he, let's see, go to my next page here. <laughs> and he attended uh, state and national level. He was state president of LCB and the state treasurer. Vernon and Hazel, his lovely wife, attended many ACB conferences and conventions. Vernon was a strong advocate for the blind and visually impaired. He inspired others to follow in his footsteps. A state and service award was named in his honor for his contribution in the Louisiana Council of the Blind. Thank you for having Vernon as an angel, and God bless ACB. Thank you very much. Thank you. And to speak on behalf of our angel, Mary Catherine Jones, uh, I recognize Alan Casey from North Carolina. Straight ahead. Good 
Mary Catherine Jones, Greensboro, North Carolina, December 24, 1928, November 14, 2018. To her church, she was May Cat. To her family, she was a loving mother, grandmother, great-grandmother, and great-great-grandmother. To her friends, she was simply Mary Catherine, with the ever-present smile, the willingness to help others, and an ear ready to listen. To her husband, her late husband, Brady, to whom she was married for more than 50 years, she was both a partner and a compatriot. Brady was one of the founders of the North Carolina Council of the Blind. He worked very, very hard with others to move the organization forward, to make it of value to the blind and vision impaired of North Carolina. And throughout that process, Mary Catherine was at his side. When he passed away more than 25 years ago, Mary Catherine picked up the reins and carried on uh, his work. Through her husband, she came to know many of the leaders, early leaders of ACB. And whenever any of us went to a convention, especially when she could not go, the first question she asked when, she came, when we came back was, who did you see? For example, did you see Oral Miller? Or did you see Paul Edwards? And those were her, two of her favorites. Uh, she also had the pleasure, because of her husband's uh, longtime work in ACB, uh, to have known Derwood McDaniel. Mary Catherine is recognized for her, her, her humility, for her willingness to step forward and help others, her work as a volunteer. But she especially was, was one of the most humble people I think I've ever known and one of the most modest. And just to give you a very brief example, um, at one of our meetings, uh, Mary Catherine came up to me and she was just so excited. She said, I just became a great-great-grandmother and I like I to tease her, and she liked to be teased from time to time. So I, I said, Mary Catherine, you are much too young to be a great-great-grandmother. Your husband must have robbed the cradle. <laughs> she looked at me, looked up at me, because I was much taller than she was. She looked up at me with those beautiful eyes that she had, and almost in a whisper she said, I was only 15. And before I could respond, she said, but he was much older. So. But that's an example of, of the kind of person that she was. She, she was so honest, uh, so caring. Uh, one of her favorite things was to take care of babies. And she provided uh, care to newborns from Greensboro to Charlotte to Atlanta to New York for family and friends. And she always admitted that babies were her first love. Mary Catherine, as I said, was one who always is willing to step forward and help other people. She worked and helped her chapter. Um, she sponsored many or work and organized many uh, yard sales for her chapter. Uh, she always had fundraisers at the state convention. And she was always looking for ways to make the chapter stronger and to make the state council stronger. 
There are a lot of things I can say about her, uh, but we'd be here all day if, if we uh, we piled the praises on, and I don't think she would uh, she would really like that. So I suspect she would smile very quietly while it was being done. But in my opinion, if anyone deserves the wings of an angel, it's Mary Catherine Jones. She spent nine decades on this earth doing things for other people, especially for the blind and visually impaired, and in fact, for anyone who had a special need. She was, for example, proud to be treasurer of the Brady Jones Benevolent Fund, a fund that was established by the North Carolina Council of the Blind to provide financial assistance to the blind and visually impaired who had special needs but no means of, of meeting those financial needs. There are so many accolades that we can pay to her for her work, the love that she gave to all of us. But I think the most important thing that we can say about Mary Catherine, in my opinion, is that she was simply a friend. So thank you, dear friend, for all that you've done for all of us and rest in peace. And our last angel for 2019 will be Frank Casey. And to speak, Kathy Casey. Forward. There you go. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, members of ACB, and honored guests. Today, we add yet one more angel to the ACB Angels Wall. We saved the best for last. <laughs> Francis Robert Casey, AKA Frank. Frank grew up in Albany, New York. He attended the New York Institute for the Education of the Blind in Pelham Parkway in the Bronx. While he was there, he obtained his amateur radio license, WB2HKU. He graduated in 1968. Shortly after that, he was employed by the, at that time, the Albany County Civil Defense, which was taken over by the Albany County Sheriff's Department as a radio dispatcher. He was dispatcher number one, the only blind dispatcher that Albany County ever had. Later, on, he changed his call to W2JIO. If this call does sound familiar, it should. It was Bob Gunderson's call, and he was Frank's mentor when he was at the Institute. The, he worked for Albany County for 32 years. And I'm going to do a little bit of a timeline here. Several accomplishments. May 24th, 1986, Frank and I were married. In 1988, we purchased our first house. And we learned about it on our second anniversary, literally. 
While he was employed, he was, uh, well, let me jump ahead. 1995 was a pivotal year. He was awarded the International Telecommunicator of the Year by APCO, which is Association of Public Safety Telecommunications Officials International, Inc. Needless to say, APCO for short. That was an accomplishment. Before that, he was honored by Albany County Sheriff's Department with two proclamations. It was Frank Casey Day, uh, but he still had to go back to work. We joined ACB, or excuse me, let me back up. We attended our first convention in 2000 in Louisville, Kentucky. That was a fun, that was a fun convention, I have to admit. Frank wasn't going to go to that one. I was going to go just to get a, a break. And he decided he was going to retire on a disability. So, okay. He said, can I go? I said, yeah, you can go. Come on, let's go. So we've been coming to conventions almost everyone since then. Not, not all, but most. He was a, our local chapter president when he passed away in 2001, or excuse me, 2012. In April of 2011, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. That is one of the nastiest diseases you'd ever want to get, and I'm sure people here can sort of relate to it. It's, I am glad that I'm able to take this opportunity to speak on behalf of Frank. As I said, we saved the best for last. I'm going to end with a quote, well not really a quote, it was a saying that he had, but I'm going to rephrase it. His saying was, eat while you can because there's a day when you can't. I'm going to rephrase that and say, do what you can, while you can, when you can. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you. And again, thank you to all the supporters for all of our angels this year. And I know many of you are working on our angel recognitions for 2020. So thank you again. It's a wonderful way to honor and create a living memory within our organization for great leaders and advocates. All right, I'm going to recognize um, Mr. Secretary. I think he has a few delegate announcements to make, changes. God, there, Mike, no, there we go. There you go. <clears throat> Good morning, ACB. <clears throat> I get to do this for a few more hours yet. Um, <clears throat> I almost don't have a voice left either. Um, and I got, okay, so I have three delegate changes to announce. 
uh, that have been given to me. First of all, for CCLVI, Sarah Conrad will serve as delegate for the remainder of the convention. There will be no alternate. For, for Ivy, Carla Hayes will serve as delegate the remainder of this convention. There will be no alternate. And finally, for RSVA, Artis Bazin will serve as delegate and there will not be an alternate. Um, those are the three changes. If you have other delegate changes, uh, please approach the stage. I am sitting to the left of the podium as you're facing it, uh, like three seats over. And so just approach the stage and let me know if there's any delegate changes and I'll be happy to announce them. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ray. Yep. All right. Just, just to warm you up a little bit, we're going to start with a couple resolutions. Then we're going to go over to Constitution and Bylaws, and then we'll see what time it is, and we may have some elections. So let's take it from there. Yeah, we may. We may. <laughs> so, um, and, and we want to have our door price people ready throughout the morning. I'm sure they are, and um, they probably have a few saved for this evening as well. So, okay. Um, if somebody is seeking microphone seven or eight, excuse me. Okay. All right, Madam Chair. Uh huh. Uh, this is Carla Rushful. Can I make a brief announcement? Yes, go ahead while the resolutions guys are bringing okay. up their resolution here. All right. Just um, wanted to let people know that the mini mall tables are in the back as you're facing the podium. We're on the far right-hand side, uh, toward the back. Not mm -hmm. we're um, we're in that that far back side against the wall, and we have some things marked down. Um, all shirts and jackets are three dollars off, regardless of whether it's a T-shirt, polo shirt, jacket, whatever. Um, the ACB etched mugs and the 30 ounce uh, vacuum sealed mugs, tumblers, are also $3 off. We may have some other markdowns during the day, but at this point that's what we, what we have. And things are really, really selling out. So if there's something you want, you need to come over and get it. We also have a fresh supply of Braille Forum tickets. And I will just let you know that our previous high for convention sales was last year at about $15,000. And as of the end of yesterday, we were at seventeen five. Wow. Great. That's terrific. Thank, Thank you very you. much. I'm sure we'll hear back from you later on other specials. So. I bet you will. A blue light special. Do you guys remember those? Carla's going to give us blue light specials today. <laughs> blue plate special, too. I don't know if she has any of those, but that's the cafe. <laughs> All right, I'll turn it over to uh, Mark Reichert and his team for resolutions. Good morning, one and all. How you doing? Uh, the 20-ounce bottle of Diet Mountain Dew that I have in front of me is almost empty, which means the gas tank is getting full. It's exciting. <laughs> all right, and speaking of excitement, how many people uh, like audio description? See, all you got to do to get applause, this organization's mentioned something like that, and people get a little excited. This resolution is about 
uh, audio description and an important issue related to it. So if you care about audio description, uh, sit up and listen. Uh, whereas NBC Universal submitted a petition to the Federal Communications Commission, FCC, to create a two-year safe harbor from audio description requirements for USA Network and all non-broadcast pay TV channels such as the History Channel, HGTV, etc. And whereas NBC Universal collaborated over the past year with ACB to develop the compromised terms of this petition for USA Network. And whereas while USA Network airs more than 1,500 hours of described content each quarter due to the preponderance of on of on of no oh, excuse me to the preponderance of syndicated content and marathon airings less than one less than 10% of audio description shown by USA Network is counted toward the FCC's existing audio description requirements and whereas USA Network would need to to audio describe more than 1,000 hours of programming each quarter, nearly 12 times the current requirements of 87.5 hours per quarter, and describe more than 75% of original content to satisfy the terms of their petition, of this petition, for limited waiver. And whereas ACB believes that this petition for limited waiver recognizes the commitment of USA Network to audio describe content and has the potential to increase the amount of audio described content available to viewers of USA Network. And whereas other non-broadcast paid TV channels have not collaborated with the disability community to understand the importance of audio description, nor have other non-broadcast pay TV channels demonstrated the same commitment to producing audio description content as USA Network has. Now, therefore, be it resolved that this organization urges the Federal Communications Commission, FCC, to approve the NBC Universal two-year petition for a limited waiver of audio description requirements for USA Network only. And be it further resolved that this organization does not support expanding a safe harbor to all non-broadcast pay TV channels and be it further resolved that this organization believes that it is imperative that all non-broadcast pay TV channels work with the American Council of the Blind directly to expand the amount of available audio description programming. We recommend a due pass. Thank you. Um, Obviously, a motion has been made and seconded to adopt this resolution. Hearing no calls for discussion, all those in favor say aye. aye. Opposed? The motion, the resolution is adopted. Thank you. That's 20.
1904, ladies and gentlemen. Madam President, shall we continue? Yes, please. Very good. Video description is done. Let's see which one you guys might really enjoy. Let's try this one. Uh, let's just cut to the chase. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm not thinking of anything fun to introduce this one with. Whereas people who are blind or who have low vision constitute a low incidence population and availability of uh, specialists to provide this population with vision rehabilitation or with vision habilitation and rehabilitation training is scarce. <clears throat> and whereas people who are blind or who have low vision. Uh, uh, Hold on. Whereas people who are hired for vision rehabilitation uh, programs often come from related fields that do not have the specialized training that is necessary to provide optimal services. And whereas it is <clears throat> essential to increase the number of, of specially trained service providers... And whereas lack of awareness of the existence and availability of jobs in the field of vision, habilitation, and rehabilitation has hindered efforts to grow, come on baby, there we go, to grow a large enough cohort of specialists. And whereas establishing a specific designation for the field will both increase awareness and readily identify those people who are specially trained and certified to serve people who are blind or who have low vision. And whereas the Academy for Certification of Vision Rehabilitation and Education Professionals, also known as ACVREP, has proposed the use of, quote, vision impairment specialist, close quote, as the primary designator for positions serving people with visual impairments. And whereas this designation would always be accompanied by a specialist designation, which would include, among others, certified orientation and mobility specialists, Coms, certified Vision Rehabilitation Therapist, CRVT, Certified Assistive Technology Instructional Specialists, or CATIS, and Certified Low Vision Therapists, or CLVT. And whereas ACVREP does not certify teachers of students with visual impairments, or TVIs, who have separate state requirements for licensure and employment. Now, therefore, be it resolved that this organization join with ACVREP, the Association for Education and Rehabilitation of the Blind and Visually Impaired, AER, and VisionServe Alliance to actively... Hello, there we go. There to are. actively encourage the use of these designations in all communications about the nationally certified professionals in the field of vision, habilitation, and rehabilitation with the general public, policy and decision makers, and elected officials. 
And be it further resolved that these designations and hold on, that these organizations and others be encouraged to create a working group on which ACB would serve to advance the objectives of this resolution by whatever means seem, uh, seem appropriate. And be it finally resolved that this organization work to assure that each of the designations described herein are appropriately defined and included in the Dictionary of Occupational Titles, or DOT, to ensure that each of the distinct professional disciplines is properly recognized and maintained in law and regulations. We recommend a due pass. The motion's been made and seconded. And um, there's any discussion? Good morning. Um, this is Judy Jackson. And perhaps what I'm about to say may be in your uh, resolve clause, Mark, where you talk about... Um, that ACB will be a part of ensuring um, that we that yeah. we do some things. Yep. I um, and I'll mention this, and then we can figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. I went through the ACB REP certification process a few years ago, and I can tell you, in no uncertain terms, that it was absolutely the worst experience I ever had. And the reason that it was the worst experience that I ever had, and by their own claim, by their own executive director's claim, their stuff is not accessible at all. For example, when you take the test, and you know in a normal environment when you're using JAWS, you hit the control key to, you know, to stop. The control key takes you out of the test. Um, and... Then you have to leave the room, and the proctor has to set it up, and you have to go in, and, and they have to reset it. That happened a number of times because you have to read the whole question and the choices all in one full swoop. I spoke to the executive director about this, and she said, well, it costs too much money to fix it. So they didn't want to fix it. Um, the other issue is that the clock somehow... Um, I'm sorry, the the test froze. They accused me of cheating because the the clock um, kept kept going, but the test froze. It took my proctor about an hour and a half to get things fixed. I had to retake the test, and I passed it twice. Um, (laughs) I passed it with an 86% and then an 81%, but they accused me of cheating. I'm not sure why someone would want to choose to cheat for a B. Um, So I I don't know what we want to do in this resolution to ensure that that ACVREP make their exams accessible. I also know of a person, and I don't recall his name, I know he's somewhere from Arizona, and he sued them for the very same reason, and ACVREP lost the suit. So I think we want to be really careful that we don't blanketly just pass this resolution, but that we have, I didn't know this was coming or I would have been at the resolutions committee meeting um, to to talk about this in more detail. So, Thanks, um, Judy. 
I, I just don't know how to do it, but I hope you'll take what I'm saying very seriously. Thank you for your comments. I would just simply point out that the second of the three resolves says essentially the various groups that I named uh, will meet uh, in a group in a, in a work group that includes ACB and will carry out the, the quote-unquote objectives of this resolution by whatever means seem appropriate. And it seems to me that as folks are working together, I mean, if, if, if ACB isn't talking generally about accessibility of stuff, shame on us. So I, I would say it's implicit that issues of accessibility are certainly on the table. They wouldn't be out of, out of order. There's Chairman. speaker at microphone seven. Mr. Chairman, uh, Tom Mitchell. You may have already answered my question with the last answer, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. It is unclear to me in the resolution, uh, I, I guess ACBREP is going to is, is going to be the certifying body, but I'm not certain that the resolution addresses that. But it is also uncertain to me whether those already uh, working in the field are going to have to be certified in order to continue their jobs or not, or whether the uh, certification will simply apply to those who will be newly uh, employed from this point forward. Got, I understand your question completely. So, so the first thing I want to make sure people understand is that this resolution doesn't require certification where it doesn't even address the issue of whether certified professionals should or should not be employed in whatever various settings that we want them to work in. What this resolution is about, frankly, is branding. It's about the branding of the various professional disciplines. That's all that this resolution is about. And, and, and when I say all, I'm not demeaning it. I'm simply saying that's within the four corners of this resolution, this is about branding. And what will happen if the objectives of this resolution are brought to full fruition, if you all adopt it, uh, then this organization goes on record saying that we agree with the body in this country that certifies as professionals who wants very much to essentially change the branding, the title of the various professions that they certify and I'm not going to go through all of them, they're in the resolution, but just to use one example, if you are an O&M specialist certified by ACVREP, then you would be known as vision impairment specialist slash certified orientation and mobility specialist. That would essentially be your title. Um, and, 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 the, and the whole strategy here, and as the resolution tries to say, is that <clears throat> by doing that, putting that prefix in front of each of those professional disciplines, that one can legitimately refer to that batch of various professional disciplines as vision impairment specialists for purposes of branding and talking about it. This is not, however, about whether we are trying to abolish any kind of changes or, 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 or delineation between and among the professions. Quite the contrary, this resolution whacks us over the head by saying we want each of those professional disciplines to remain separate and distinct. And finally, my third point to you would be amen, brother, on the question of whether uh, we ought to be pushing for certified and qualified professionals. There are far too many people, not unlike the, the fake dog guides out there and other folks, there are a lot of fake professionals floating around out there or people who think they can do it just because they cooked it up themselves or some agency director said they could do it. And that, by the way, also is true for teachers. And we got to find a better way to make sure that kids, adults, and seniors are getting the professional services they need. Thanks. Mm. Um, comments? Um, Mike One. This is Christy Crespin, and um, I'm concerned. I understand the 
reason for what you want to do. You want to create a basically title protection kind of program. Um, and I agree with it. But when you're listing uh, various folks, you're excluding people like qualified rehabilitation professionals, like my husband, who is a vocational counselor working in California with a caseload of the blind. You're, dis you're not including people who are in counseling fields, etc. So I would like you to go back and rethink kind of what this resolution is doing, and it also seems quite wordy. Thank you. So uh, the, I'll take your second point first. Uh, if you think this is wordy, sister, hang on to your hat. <laughs> you guys got something. I'm telling you, Mountain Dew is a miracle drug. I, I seriously suggest that you get one because you, you, you're going to need it. But to your first point, and, and, and all joking aside, it's a serious one, and I, I take it seriously, and quite frankly, I agree with you in principle. I will just tell you this. ACVREP, that certifying body, only certifies, at least for now, those four professional disciplines that the resolution talks about. I know we have announced, or they have, somewhere along, I'm not sure how far along it is, but the certification for uh, uh, audio description, that'll come along at some point. Uh, if, if, in any case, uh, your point about does this resolution encompass other professions, it does not because ACVREP does not certify those folks. So ACVREP is in charge of the brands that it owns, and they have approached us about this whole question of supporting them in this effort to help sort of bring some order out of the chaos of all of their alphabet soup of the various professional disciplines they certify. This resolution, and it's important, frankly, uh, that you all know this, this resolution for in, in a way, uh, reverses a position that you all adopted in 2017, which said that we weren't going to be supportive of the notion of blurring the lines between the various professional disciplines and using this sort of joint branding. And one of the main reasons for that was because at that time, ACVREP leadership and others in the field were trying to include teachers of students with vision impairments in among the various professional disciplines. And yours truly and others who felt very passionately about it wanted to essentially torpedo that notion because it is simply categorically inappropriate to talk about TVIs in the same way that we talk about the professionals certified by ACVREP. So we're not going to want to, to blur the lines that way for teachers, for sure. Should we be talking about branding rehabilitation counselors or others who specialize in the blindness biz, so to speak, as quote-unquote vision impairment specialists? I think it's an open question. And, and, and if you all adopt this resolution, all you're really saying is we are willing to partner with ACVREP and other groups to refer to ACVREP's professionals in this way. I think the hope by, on the part of a lot of people who want to do this is that that term vision impairment specialist almost in a casual sort of branding conversational way becomes a shorthand way to refer to professions well beyond ACVREP's. Thank you, Mark. Um, we'll take one more comment. Um, microphone five. Hello, this is Jeannie Johnson from Nashville, Tennessee. I am a retired rehabilitation teacher for the blind. 
First of all, I don't think this is going to make much difference because in many states, no particular certification is even required. For example, except for the VA, true. For example, in Tennessee, their state requirements, you can have related degrees that don't even have anything to do with visual impairment. And at the facility where I worked for 26 years, there were some of us who specifically did have degrees in the field, but there were others who didn't and kind of got on-the-job training. And they were the ones who, in spite of that, for example, mollycoddled our students and didn't teach them the skills they really needed to know to the extent that they could go out and be more independent. And I just don't think this resolution is really going to make a big difference because you have many states that don't even require such certification. And, you know, if, and I think before we um, say that we want to be with the testing group, they need to, we need to know for sure that the testing is going to be accessible for those who very likely may be some of the best teachers but aren't able to do the testing in an easy, accessible way. So I'm not for it. All right, thank you. And I will, I will state, um, I've been working quite a lot with ACVREP in the certification process for audio description. And um, I think I can quite confidently state that any new certifications will have accessibility built all the way through the process. And I will ask the next time I talk to the executive director, what is going on and what are you going to do about it? No hesitation. I will do that. And I will hold her toes to the fire. So we need, to, we need to work on that. And we have resources within all of you as experts to help us make sure that ACVREP does the right thing. Thank you. All right. Um, all those in favor of this resolution, please signify by saying aye. Opposed? No. The resolution is adopted. John? Yes, I, I am at a mic. There you are. Okay. I'm going to exercise a little um, discretion and take uh, the item that I identified as our um, proposal 2019 number two because I think that it will be less, uh, <laughs> less controversial than that. I know the other one that we are kind of all waiting for with uh, bated breath. This proposal would add a sentence to bylaw nine and that uh, proposal would insert a sentence. Essentially, it's, an, it's a note to the Constitution and Bylaws Committee about what we are to be doing. Uh, but before the rest of the material, we would insert the sentence, a sentence which reads, the Constitution and Bylaws Committee shall be responsible for reviewing the governing instruments of an organization requesting affiliation with 
for, uh, for the purpose of determining that no inconsistencies exist between the said governing instruments and ACB's constitution and bylaws, and we recommend a due pass. Is there a second? Very good. So the, um, the amendment is now open for discussion. Are, is there anyone who wishes to comment? Madam Chair, this is Matt Selm. Can we please read the bylaw as currently written and with the amended language? Just as a reminder to, uh, again, for those of you who may not have been here, our parliamentarian is Alicia Matson Purcell, and she has been with ACB um, since 2014, except in St. Louis, where she was not available to come. So she's well aware of our governing documents, and we appreciate her support. So, Thanks, guys. Okay, so John has requested me to read Bylaw 9, which I will do. Uh, Bylaw 9 is titled Application for Affiliation, and it reads, Application for Affiliation with the American Council of the Blind is subject to the provisions of Article 3, Section B of the Constitution. An application for affiliation shall be made in writing by sending the original to ACB president, ACB's president with copies to the chairperson of the Constitution and Bylaws Committee, the chairperson of the membership committee, and the executive director. Such an application shall contain the following information. A cover letter stating the reasons for the application, a current membership indicating those members who are legally blind, those who are voting members, and a copy of the applicant's governing documents, including, as applicable, its constitution, bylaws, and articles of incorporation. An application shall be accompanied by a tender of one year's affiliate dues computed under ACB's bylaws and based on the membership list submitted with the application. So that's the bylaw to which this sentence would be um, added. Let's, All right. let's hear the, the sentence, the addition, one more time. All right. The Constitution and Bylaws Committee shall be responsible for reviewing the governing, the governing instruments of an organization requesting affiliation for the purpose of determining that no inconsistencies exist between said governing instruments and ACB's constitution and bylaws. I believe in the discussion um, that we had, we talked about the letter and spirit of the constitution and bylaws, and that doesn't seem to be in there, so I uh, uh, would like to uh, propose an amendment that includes the letter and the and in letter and spirit of the ACB convention and bylaws. I would not believe, John, that the committee would take that as a friendly amendment. Uh, yes or no? Well, I don't remember ever seeing right. uh, reference to the letter and spirit. <laughs> um, can you repeat the language, John, one more time? The, the, it just says to the Constitution and bylaws, right, in compliance? Right. I wanted to hear the sentence language one more time of the oh. actual amendment to see how 
right. how what John, uh, okay. Doug is proposing fits uh, or doesn't fit or is necessary or not necessary. Okay. The, the sentence, as, as has been proposed, reads, the Constitution and Bylaws Committee should be responsible for reviewing the governing instruments of an organization requesting affiliation for the purpose of determining that no inconsistencies between said governing instruments and ACB's constitution and bylaws. Yes, so, so Doug, would your amendment be that there's no inconsistencies with the letter and spirit of the ACB constitution and bylaws? That's correct, Ken, thank you. Is there a second for Doug's amendment? Okay, it has been seconded. Um, do you want me okay. to speak to that? Yes, now you should speak to the amendment. Thank uh, you. Uh, a couple of times in the history that I know of at ACB, there have been uh, times when uh, state constitution and bylaws have either been in an actual conflict or have, uh, for ex uh, you know, uh, have been not as... Um, not as inclusive in the, in having membership have power in their uh, in their organization. So basically, uh, having being run by the board of directors as opposed to by the membership. And although that doesn't isn't in direct conflict with the constitution and bylaws, it is definitely in conflict with the spirit of ACB. And I think that the uh, Constitution and Bylaws Committee in their review and recommendation should have that at their disposal to be able to talk to the affiliates and see if something can be worked out. All right, yeah, this is John McCann. Um, I'm a little concerned about this. I felt that the words uh, inconsistent would cover the kinds of things Doug talks about. Keep in mind, and I'm not sure how I'll vote on this amendment to uh, the, the proposed amendment, keep in mind that the only thing that the Constitution and Bylaws Committee would do was recommend to the board. This is trying to head off a situation where somebody suggests, uh, somebody, an affiliate suggest, uh, requests affiliation, and uh, the board is sort of getting it maybe seemingly at the last minute without the advice of the, and it is just advice, of the Con and Bylaws Committee as to whether the affiliate needs to be approached respecting language that is found to be problematic in their governing instruments. I, this is Brian Charlson from Massachusetts. I rise in opposition to the proposed amendment to this amendment. You're uh, speaking in opposition? I'm speaking okay. in opposition right, to the motion to amend. One of the problems I have with uh, the word spirit is I've had rousing discussions with people with what is the spirit and what isn't the spirit of mm -hmm. ACB with people with whom I re have a great deal of respect. So I'm not anxious to put a lot of information or, or ideas into our constitution that leaves a lot to the imagination. I'd rather be a bit of a constructionist, it says what it says, than an interpretive entity. So I rise in opposition to this amendment. Thank you. Other 
Okay, there's no one else seeking the floor at this time. So we'll vote on the amendment only, which is to add the, the language, letter, and spirit of the ACB Constitution and bylaws. The words being added are letter and spirit. All those in favor of this amendment language being added to the base amendment, signify by saying aye. Those opposed say no. no. Okay, the amendment is defeated. We'll return back to discussion on the original amendment. Is there any further discussion on the original amendment? We've heard it several times. Um, I'll take microphone four. Thank you. This is Michael Byington from Kansas. A few years ago, we discovered that an error that had happened many years ago uh, required us to completely redo our 501c3. In doing that, we had to redo our Constitution. And in looking at the current IRS regulations concerning 501c3s, there are certain requirements about powers of the Board of Directors that the ACB Constitution dances dangerously close to violating. Now, I don't suggest that we do anything about that. Nobody has told us we have to, and ACB is an organization that likes to give the power to its members, and so that's fine. But to put this sentence into the Constitution could create a situation where an affiliate or prospective affiliate works and works and works to ensure that they can pass the 501c3 standards of today and then somebody uh, in a position of leadership at ACB looks at the Constitution and says, oh dear, it might violate, uh, there, there might be a conflict here. We have provided plenty of opportunities for a Constitution of an affiliate to be, mm -hmm. or, or an affiliate because of what's in this Constitution to be turned down. We don't need this in the Constitution and it could put us in some serious conundrums as we continue to bring affiliates on board. Thank you. Yes, John McCann from Tucson, again. All right, the again part is being emphasized here. Go ahead. Okay, <laughs> okay. I get that, Kim, I get that. Uh -huh. We have every incentive, every conceivable incentive to grow our organization. We, uh, first of all, the Connor Bylaws Committee uh, does not make the final determination, nor should it. But you like as not, have people that are drafting governing instruments who 
are not really schooled in how to do that, or if they're being schooled or helped by an attorney, that attorney has no awareness of our culture and no appreciation or understanding of our governing instruments. We are potentially putting the board in a horrific position if we are getting documents submitted at the last minute that haven't received a careful and considered review of people on the Constitution and Bylaws Committee who know about drafting such instruments, okay? We need this amendment in order to bring to full fruition the appropriate clause in our Constitution that says there shall be no inconsistencies between the affiliates governing instruments and those of the national organization. I urge you to adopt this amendment. Thank you. All right. No further discussion. There's no one seeking the, the microphone or the floor. All those in favor of the amendment as read by John, um, please indicate by saying aye. Aye. Those opposed, say no. The amendment has been adopted. And that was just a majority. And it only takes a majority vote to pass a bylaw amendment. We have a second um, constitutional amendment that we need to um, address. So we will go ahead and handle that now. So go ahead, John. Okay. This was identified as uh, proposed amendment 201901. And if approved, it would change the current reading uh, of Article 3, Membership, Voting, and Dues, Section E. The section currently reads suspension and expulsion. Any member may be expelled or suspended, or <laughs> suspended rather, by a two-thirds vote of the conference and convention after a hearing as prescribed in Robert's Rules of Order, newly revised. The procedures in the procedures to expel or suspend the member charged shall have the right to vote. If the amendment is passed, that section, which I just read, would be replaced by the following. Section E, Code of Conduct, Disciplinary Action. The Board of Directors, in consultation with competent legal counsel, is herein authorized to establish a code of conduct policy applicable to those attending national ACB meetings and or functions and, if warranted, to impose discipline in accordance with such policies. All ACB members so attending shall be given notice of the terms of any such code of conduct policy consistent with Article 10 of this Constitution, the relevant provisions of Robert's Rules of Order, newly revised, 
respecting disciplinary procedures and actions shall govern in all cases to which they are appropriately applicable. And Madam President, the Constitution and Bylaws Committee recommends a due pass. And there is a second. Is there discussion? Madam Chair, this is Matt Selm again. I just ask a question of clarification. This amendment effectively removes the general body from the disciplinary process and places it completely in the hands of the Board of Directors, thusly leaving a suspended or expelled member with no appellate rights to the general membership. Is that correct? I do not believe that that is a correct interpretation. Um, That's what it says. Madam Chair, um, this amendment refers to a policy. Uh, the implication is that it will be developing that policy. However, in the February mid-year board meeting, in open session, a policy was read. And that policy, uh, I think, needs, I think this body needs to hear that policy. Therefore, I would like for that policy to be read All right, since me, it is um, already created. Let me give you a little bit more background and then I don't have any problem reading the policy. So at that board meeting, um, the board was authorized to do some additional work on a draft policy and to refer the draft policy to an employment attorney for review and we have received back a significantly shortened thoroughly reviewed by an attorney policy that the board did read in open session in its board meeting on Friday and I'm prepared to read that policy if the membership is so inclined. Yes, then I okay. think we need to hear what is already being considered. Okay. So I just want to be clear that the board is, we have a draft policy. Okay. Someone's requesting a point of order at microphone three. Here. Go ahead. Thompson, Hawaii, noisy guy, troublemaker. I need to inform Ms. Rushable and a lot of other people around here that a point of information doesn't mean you give information, you're asking information. And I am, I am prepared to provide the information she was asking for. John, are you, are you okay with me going ahead and reviewing and reading the policy to the body? The American Council of the Blind is committed to creating a, and remember this is entitled, excuse me, Code of Conduct Policy. The American Council of the Blind is committed to creating a welcoming, safe, and productive environment that is free from harassment and discrimination for all who participate in its sponsored meetings, conferences, social activities, and other events. All persons will conduct themselves in ways that reflect favorably on ACB 
and on the community we represent, while contributing to a culture of respect. This code of conduct policy applies to anyone who attends or participates in any manner with ACB events, including but not limited to members, attendees, staff members, guests, volunteers, presenters, vendors, exhibitors, contractors, and sponsors. By attending any ACB event, you agree voluntarily to abide by this code of conduct policy. Prohibited conduct, that's a heading, excuse me, prohibited conduct. For purposes of this code of conduct policy, prohibited conduct includes any form of harassment, discrimination, intimidation, or retaliation, regardless of whether it is verbal, physical, and or online. Prohibited conduct includes, but is not limited to, sexual harassment, offensive or physically threatening bodily contact, written or verbal abuse, threatening or stalking, and intimidation or discrimination based on race, ethnicity, national origin, religion, age, sex, sexual orientation, physical or mental disability, physical characteristics, political beliefs, and or other characteristics pro protected under applicable federal, state, and local law. Reports and confidentiality. Any person who believes that he or she is a victim of conduct that violates the code of conduct policy or who in good faith believes that he or she has witnessed such behavior is strongly encouraged to report such behavior to the ACB executive director either on site, at the event, or as soon as possible afterwards. All reports will be investigated promptly and ACB will take every reasonable effort will, excuse me, I think it's make, but ACB will, you know what it says, ACB will take every reasonable effort to safeguard requests for confidentiality from witnesses and others with information. Investigation. Investigations may be conducted by ACB, an independent party, or by a combination of both. If appropriate, ACB will involve event, venue, security, or local law enforcement. False statements made during an investigation 
may result in a separate ACB investigation or disciplinary action. A person who infers in any manner with an in, in interferes, excuse me, interferes in any manner with an investigation directly or indirectly through others, including by retaliating or threatening to retaliate against a victim or witness, may face separate disciplinary action under this code of conduct policy. Disciplinary action. In accordance with ACB standards, all violations of this code of conduct policy will result in appropriate disciplinary action. At ACB's discretion, violations may result in removal from or denial of access to any ACB-sponsored future meetings, events, and activities. Any ACB member who is found in violation of this code of conduct policy may also be subject to additional actions from ACB, including suspension or expulsion from the organization. That is the end of the policy draft. Thank you. I'm Kerry Johnson from Tennessee. Um, one of the problems I have was that uh, mm -hmm. John did not complete uh, reading of this uh, uh, amendment proposed uh, yesterday. He, as I recall it, got to a point and then said, well, I'll get back to you on it. And you're asking the members to vote on an, an amendment that um, is going to be pretty important. Um, so that uh, just on the day we're releasing the amendment. Uh, the other problem I have with it is that you're going to run into a lot of problems, particularly with witnesses, uh, possibly falsely accusing folks. I witnessed an incident this morning in the corridor out here that uh, could have possibly been uh, uh, referred to as intimidation. I have no idea who the victim was and who the perpetrator was. I'm low vision, but I could see them. I could not read their badges or, or anything of that nature, and I did not feel comfortable interfering at that point. So uh, I think you're asking a lot of your members here. It's, it, the whole thing is kind of questionable. Even though I agree with the principle of what you're doing, I think that uh, it's going to be just next to impossible to carry out. Thank you. All right, and uh, I just want to make nine. one brief comment and then I'll recognize microphone and I may also recognize the executive director if he has any comments that he wants to make. Um, I think all of you know why we're talking about this. Given the world we live in today, we cannot ignore this. And right now we do not have a policy that addresses this. And we have to do something. So this is why we're talking about this. We can't just say, no, it's going to be hard. We can't do it. Be too complicated. And walk out of here with nothing accomplished. I hope we can find a way to do the right thing for our organization. I will recognize...
Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mitch Pomerantz from California. It is my belief that unless a policy is, is stipulated and approved and sanctioned in the Constitution and bylaws, it isn't worth the paper it is written on. Um, if you don't want a policy, if you don't think this is an important enough issue, then you certainly should vote against the amendment. But this is an important issue. I worked in human resources for 20 years. For part of that time, I investigated discrimination complaints. For part of that time, I actually conducted training on how to avoid sexual harassment training. We know the times we are living in. We need this policy, but if we don't have an amendment that gives the policy some teeth, the policy means nothing. Please support this. Thank you. Microphone four. Thank you. This is Michael Byington again. And uh, at the risk of being accused of running for, curmud for curmudgeon, I rise in opposition to the amendment. I believe the intent of the board of directors as somewhat summarized by our president just now, is a good intent. But as I listen to the clauses within that code of conduct, which this amendment certainly allows the board of directors to change at will, I see many, many issues, even with all of the careful legal review, that could be used to silence legitimate speech. We don't want to do that in ACB. I believe that the concerns that Mitch expresses are very relevant and very correct. But I believe that the laws which govern our nation and issues in other portions of the Constitution give us adequate protections to deal with that. I think code of conducts, codes of conduct are almost synonymous with a loyalty oath. ACB has always given its membership and individual members the right to propose massive changes. And this organization's position on a number of issues over history have been altered by its membership from the convention floor. Sometimes I've liked the way that's been done. Sometimes I've thought it was terrible. But it is what ACB is. We do not need this amendment. Thank you. Madam Chair, microphone nine. Um, microphone seven, are you speaking in support of the amendment? Point of information, please. Uh, identify yourself, I'm please. Stephen Blow, ACBNY. Uh, go ahead. My question is, um, I, would, I understand the need for a pol the policy, and the wording of the policy doesn't bother me as, uh, as a starting point, at least, because I believe we do need a policy. 
What I don't understand is why was this uh, section a replacement instead of an addition? I don't, under, I don't understand where the differences are. Don't we still need the membership to deal with suspensions and expulsions? Some, I would appreciate an explanation as to why this was a, 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 a total replacement of that section and not an expansion. And I would, I would comment, and I would certainly, if John or any other member of the Constitution and Bylaws wishes to comment as well, that, that this policy would replace those sections, but in fact, the, any of those references go back to the Constitution, and it's, we're trying to create a policy that follows the steps of the Constitution. So there are disciplinary provisions and removal or suspension or expulsion. Those terms are in the Constitution, and there's a process for that. Um, I'm going to recognize... Ray, is yours a point of information? Yep. Uh, no, I wanted to speak in support. Okay, then I'm going to recognize microphone 7. Okay. Or was it eight? It's not. I'm, oh, excuse I'm not. me. It was eight. Excuse me. Okay. Madam, Madam Chair. Yes. This is Sarah Conrad, and I'd like to speak in favor. Colleagues and friends in ACB, I urge you to vote yes to this amendment. Ladies and gentlemen, we as young people in this organization are tired and sick of being stalked, provoked, and inappropriately touched at ACB events. Every year, young people in ACB share stories with me and other leaders about being sexually assaulted at convention. From being attacked in a hotel room after a focus group to being inappropriately touched during meetings, the stories we've experienced, witnessed, shared, and reported must stop. You say you want more young people to join ACB, then you must protect us. Thank you. All right. Thank, thank you, Sarah. I, um, I need to apologize to the body because, in fact, I read you the uh, February draft inadvertently rather than the amended one. But she'll be happy to know that the um, revised one by the attorney is much shorter than the one I read. So I, now I must read the short one. And I do apologize um, that I read the wrong one. All right, this is the um, current as of June 2019. The American Council of the Blind is committed to maintaining the integrity of its events by creating a welcoming, professional, and respectful environment for all who attend and or participate in its sponsored meetings, conferences, social activities, and other events. 
All attendees and participants are required to adhere to ACB's code of conduct. For purposes of this policy, prohibited conduct includes, but is not limited to, unwelcome conduct, whether verbal, physical, or visual, on the basis of race, color, sex, religion, age, national origin, disability, genetic information, gender identity, sexual orientation, or any other characteristic protected by applicable law, disrespectful, offensive, and or threatening conduct, verbal abuse, stalking, bullying, violence, and intimidation. Any person who believes that he or she has experienced or witnessed behavior prohibited by this policy should report the conduct to the ACB executive director. ACB has the discretion to ban or evict any attendee or participant from its sponsored meetings, conferences, social activities, and other events for any reason, including suspected violations of this policy. In addition, any ACB member who violates this policy may be subject to suspension, expulsion, or other action. Oh, and it's, that's it. It says revised 6-26-2019. That was the, the date of the draft. Okay. Yeah. So we've, we have um, taken 20 minutes, but because there's a still considerable discussion to take place, is the body accepting of extending the discussion for another 20 minutes? No. So... <laughs> How about another 10 minutes to be fair to those? All right. So we'll, so be brief. Um, should I vote on that? Oh. Okay. We're just going to, we're going to take a majority vote on whether to extend for 10 minutes. So um, according to the parliamentarians. So all those in favor of extending our vote for an additional 10 minutes, say aye. Aye. Opposed? I, yeah, no, I, I, I will acknowledge it was close, but for 10 minutes, I'm going to say that the ayes win, and we're going to have another 10 minutes of discussion, and then we can turn to that. It'll take a lot longer to do a roll call, so let's just keep that in perspective. All right, which microphone, please? All right, I'd like to recognize microphone five to speak on the amendment. This is Brian Charlson. Massachusetts affiliate. I have to tell you that um, this is my 40th convention and I've yet to attend one where somebody hasn't come to me upset by something done by somebody else that didn't rise to the level of this kind of discipline and those that did. 
So for those who are worried that just, uh, you know, somebody bumping into you looking for the microphone is going to uh, find themselves up on charges, believe me, uh, if we trust our leaders so, so badly as to think that they would do such things, um, vote the rascals out, okay? Note that in the proposed policy, and remember, at this stage, it's still just a proposed policy, not an adopted That's one. That's right. That while it said that <clears throat> disciplinary actions against members may include suspension or expulsion, it doesn't say that the board is going to uh, have final say in that. So it would invoke our Constitution, as it rightfully should, for it to come before us to make such decisions. I have to tell you that uh, I'm proud to be an ACB member, but you know blind people work just like everybody else. There are some not so good people among us. And those, those who are more vulnerable, yeah, whether for a moment or as a result of, of their life situation, deserve our protection. All right. Microphone one, go ahead. Thank you, Madam President. This is Susan Glass from California. I am in support of this amendment, and I would like to piggyback on something that Sarah Conrad said. This has not just happened to young people here at this convention. It has happened to many of us, including myself. And it happens to you whether you're an older woman or a younger woman. And this is not about the brush against the microphone. It's much more important than that. And it is not just about women, as Brian just said. It's about anyone who might not feel that he or she has a voice to address something that happens. When it happened to me, I did not know who to turn to. I support this amendment, and I will tell you that I know of at least 10 other women this morning who support this amendment. Thank you so much. Microphone six, wish to speak in opposition. All right. Is that... I'm going to go to... Let me ask... Let me ask microphone six if she's speaking in opposition or in support of. Since I had recognized microphone six. Are you in support of or in opposition to the amendment? Can you respond, please? Um, I'm not sure which... It's you. Go ahead. Okay. Are uh, you speaking in favor or in opposition? In, fa in favor. Oh, then you need to hold. I'm going okay. to go back over to microphone four where I believe there's someone who wants to speak in opposition. Yes. And someone who has not spoken on this, on this issue. Madam Chair, um, I, this is Carla Rushevel, and I asked for the point of information. Therefore, I should be allowed to speak about this amendment. I'll accept that, Carla. Thank All you. All right. Thank you. I totally agree with the issues that this amendment creates. I understand them, I get that, I know, I, I hate to go to receptions because um, 
I, I know what Sarah's talking about. And I know what Susan's talking about. And I agree with all of that. But what gives me, what creates my problem with this is that this allows the board to create a policy that will not come back to this convention for review. This allows the board to take, we are taking out the right of this convention to review expulsion from this organization. And in the policy, the revised policy, which was read, it says that the, that a person can be removed or evicted from this organization, it lists reasons, and then it says, or for any reason. That is my problem with this amendment. And I, I have an issue with allowing a majority of a board, any board, behind closed doors, because this would be, um, that would be nine people to decide who stays and who goes in ACB. And that is not the ACB that has existed for 58 years. I would like to see, I would like to see a policy brought to this body for review that will address all of these issues and will address them strongly, but that will not give nine people, a majority, uh, the, the ability to remove any member from this organization without some kind of hearing. Thank you. All right. I'm going to return back to microphone six. Hi, this is Rosanna from Long Island. You need to be closer to the microphone uh, really if you're short. microphone That's six. That's probably the problem. Okay, can you hear me now? Yes, thank you. Okay, it's tough, it's tough being short. Um, okay, I'm from Long Island, and I, I kind of agree with Mitch, and I just, really very short, having worked in human resource management myself, and seeing what has transpired over the last 20 years, it's very sad that we even have to have a code of conduct. There was at one time where it was just, you just did what you did and there wasn't a problem. But that's not true anymore. Unfortunately, there's always one bad apple in the bunch, if you want to call it that. But I would really urge you to vote for this amendment because I do think safety is paramount. We want to be able to come to convention and go to ECB functions and know that we are safe and we, that there is some code of conduct, of order that, excuse me, Thank that you. people have to follow. Um, just Thank a you. word again uh, from what Collar was just saying. Um, I know what she's saying about having nine people make a decision. However, if there is specific rules that are there, like, okay, this person has violated right. I need a, you to B, shorten it and stop. We have two minutes it. left. No, two that's mi it. Two minutes that's, left. Thank you for your that's comments. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to recognize one speaker in opposition. Microphone four is... 
Is that a so yes. speak in opposition? No, a point oh. of information. Okay. Actually, I have two points of information, a request for information. How far back do, do these situations go? In other words, would it begin with this conference? Would it go back 10 years and well, so on? Of course, that's you can't first. retroactively implement a, a policy, so I think that's not relevant to the, What's your other uh, comment? My other point of information is, for instance, just a scenario, if a person with a guide dog allows their dog, so let's say, to sniff inappropriately, would that be considered an extension of that person's I, I, inappropriateness? I don't think so. I think we need well, to move on. If, right. if someone in opposition wants to speak, there's yes. one minute yes. remaining. So, so one person to speak in opposition. So please identify yourself at microphone four. It's not turned on. Okay. Okay. I, I'm passing. Are you at microphone four? Yes, I am. All right. And you're the one that's going to speak in opposition? Yes, ma'am. Then go ahead. You have one minute. Point of clarification. No, you're supposed to speak in opposition. I'm yelled, sorry. I yelled both. Okay. In opposition. In opposition. Okay. Speak in opposition yeah, to I the am. amendment. All right. There's language in there saying any conduct and um, suspected conduct. I was a victim 28 years ago, but I support the rights of the person who decked me in front of others. And are there appellate rights if there is... I mean, that's why I'm opposing this. Thank you. All right, our extension has expired. Should we proceed to a vote on the amendment, or I think I think we've heard very compelling reasons. Both sides are passionate about this, but I think we are ready to proceed to a vote. So, if does anyone does anyone need to hear the language one more time? No, 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 no. Okay. No. All right. Then I'm. All right. I'm going to go to Mike too. Make sure it's a point of. Yes. Okay. Point. Point of clarification, Mike too, because we we talk about board making decisions, and I just want to understand. Never in the language of the policy is that the board is going to make a decision. What this policy says. It, what this policy says is that the the contact, if if it's in if it's inappropriate, uh, will be de referred to the executive director. So this is contract language that we are going to put in our in our event packets as it goes out. If there is anything for expulsion or suspension, that would follow, as is laid out in the Constitutional Amendment, Robert's Rules of Order with the appropriate hearing and appeal process. I just wanted to clarify that. Thank you. All right. I want to, I'm going to ask one more time if there's any point of clarifications. Microphone one. Okay. 
Go ahead. Question. Okay. The, oh, sorry. And don't yell into the mic. I know. You. I didn't think it was on. I uh -huh. apologize. Okay. The question. Identify yourself, please. Oh, I'm sorry. Donna Pomerantz from Pasadena, California. The question is, because this, con this membership is very capable of getting information all over. When Mitch was ill, I could not believe how many people contacted us and found out just because I put out one email on the ACB leadership list. Okay, so those who didn't have email were able to do that. What I would like to ask you, Madam President, to alleviate the concerns of the people who have concerns that the board is going to be doing this unilaterally, will you put the policy out on leadership and take input? Will you have focus calls to take the, 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 the points of the membership and allow them to gather and create this policy in a virtual open way so that we can pass this amendment today by the will of the entire membership, by phone, by internet, however means. Madam President, will you please do that and, and, and whoever the next president is so that we can move forward today with everyone still being able to have input please thank, say yes thank you Donna that was those are good recommendations and what I want to reinforce with all of you is that what I read the second time is a draft that means the board has not approved it I am a member of the board now I will be a member of the board in the future not in the same chair in a different chair but I'll be there and we will talk about it, and we will make those opportunities available for you all to have some say, and then it's up to you to come to those calls and to participate and give us the feedback. My hope is this organization cannot go on much longer without a policy of this kind in place, because we are putting ourselves at jeopardy. So this, this needs to happen. And it will happen soon. So my hope that the next president will have it on the agenda for the fall board meeting, which means that any conference call to discuss this issue will take place between August and the end of September. So I think that we can do that, and we will hear your concerns. And it is a draft. And there are places where we can make some changes that I think still need to be made in the draft policy. So we have some work to do. We can do it together. That's my commitment to you. I've had a call to vote. I think we've talked long enough. We've said what we can say. Okay? This is, a, this is a constitutional amendment. It requires two-thirds majority vote to pass. I'm an amendment what? I'm sorry. No. We're, we've had a, re we're going to go to the vote. That's right. So we're going to go to the vote. I do not think a friendly amendment would be in order by the body or by the Constitution and Bylaws Committee. All right, we're going to proceed to the vote.
All those in favor of this constitutional amendment say aye. Aye. In opposition, say no. The, the amendment has been adopted. You can, you can have a roll call. It was clearly two-thirds. It was clearly adopted. All right. We have an election. It is 25. How many? All right. All right. I know some people were asking for a recount. There is not enough people standing to constitute for a recount. So we're going to move on to the election of officers for this organization. All right. Say what? I said, are we having fun? We're moving on. We are moving on to the election. Yeah, what's your last How do you spell your last name, John? Sorry. How do you spell your last name? So there, there were not 25 people standing. Yeah. Give me just one second. Well, there might be now, but there weren't there. There are not 25 people standing. I am moving on. Uh, that is it, okay? Unless you want to kick me out, we're moving on. And I think you're going to kick me out anyway in a few minutes. So. <laughs> We're going to move on, so let's, um, let's go ahead and have our election. I'd like to recognize the chair of the nominating committee to uh, review the slate for nominations. Mitch Pomerantz. Microphone one, perhaps? Thank you very much. Now, for some peaceful, non-controversial elections. I will I will read the candidate that came out of the nominating committee their location of residence their occupation and the term for which they are running for president Dan Spoon Orlando Florida Retired project manager, Siemens Corporation, running for his first term. First vice president, Mark Weikert, Arlington, Virginia. Director of public policy, National Disability Institute, running for his first term. Second vice president, Ray Campbell, Glen Ellen, Illinois. Senior Accessibility Analyst, United Airlines, running for his first term. Secretary, Denise Colley, Lacey Washington, Retired Disability Program Coordinator, State of Washington, running for her first term. Treasurer, David Trott, Talladega, Alabama, Retired Services Development Coordinator, Alabama Institute for the Deaf and Blind, running for his second term. Those were the 
proposed slate of officers that were voted out of the nominating committee. Madam President. Thank you, Mitch, and thank you to, again to the nominating committee. Yeah. All right, so the nominating committee has placed the slate before us. Um, so nominations are now open, and the name for the office of president from the nominating committee is Dan Spoon from Orlando, Florida. Are there any other nominations from the floor? Are there any other nominations from the floor? Are there any other nominations from the floor? Hearing none, nominations can cease. All those in favor of casting a ballot for Dan Spoon, say aye. aye. Opposed? Congratulations, Dan. The new president of the American Council of the Blind. Hey. Dan, you're recognized at mic two. Thank you, Madam President. And first, I just want to take a moment and thank Kim Charlson for an outstanding six years as our ACB president. Thank you. She has been a mentor, she has been a colleague, and she has been a friend. I only hope I can follow in her footsteps and continue on the, the good work of the American Council of the Blind. I would also like to thank several members of my Florida Council of the Blind uh, delegation that worked to help me get to this point. I would be uh, a, a very shallow person if I dot, did not remember the work of Terry Blessings, Carl McCoy, Jim Lamb, Paul Edwards, Jim Crott, Debbie Grubb, and our current president, Sheila Young. These are all individuals that have helped me shape my experiences, and I would not be here without their support. I also want to thank some colleagues that I met in my journey as I got involved in ACB. Brenda Dillon. Dan Dillon. <laughs> and Cindy Van Winkle. They were the people who believed in me in ACB and gave me an opportunity and encouraged me to get involved. Thank you so much to each of them. Okay. Finally, I have to thank the love of my life, <laughs> Leslie Spoon. She has always stood beside me, and I hope, and I know she will continue to do so as the first lady of this wonderful organization. Thank you, Dan. What, last but not least, and I apologize, Tim, but last but not least, I have to give a shout out on ACB radio to my 87-year-old parents, Pat and Bill Spoon. I love you. Thank you so much. Congratulations, Dan. It is a big moment, so enjoy it. <laughs> okay. All right. I think the next office is first vice president. 
The nominating committee has put forward the name of Mark Reichert from Arlington, Virginia. Are there any other nominations from the floor? Are there any other nominations from the floor? Are there any other nominations from the floor? Hearing none. Um, close nominations and cast ballot for Mark Reichert. All those in favor say aye. aye. Opposed? Congratulations, Mark. He's Mike um, 11. I, Mike 11 on for Mark. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Spoon, you got us all started with the I waterworks, think, man. I, 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 think, I think we're seeing Mark Reichert speechless. So this is a day that will live on in history. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about that comment there, Charles. <laughs> Oh, boy. Um, stop it. Stop it. Okay. I, I've, I've got... I've, I said this before in, in, in the caucuses. For as much of a talker as everyone in this room knows that I am, I hate talking about myself. Um, I really do. So I want to give this back to you um, as, a, as a gift. Um, thank you so much. Um, this really summarizes how I'm feeling right now, and uh, frankly, I think it's, it could be an anthem for all of us in this organization. These are the lyrics to a song I fell in love with recently. I'd never heard it before. It's the lyrics to the song Make Them Hear You from the musical Ragtime. Go out and tell our story to our daughters and our sons. Make them hear you. Make them hear you. And tell them in our struggle we were not the only ones. Make them hear you. Make them hear you. Your sword could be a sermon or the power of the pen. Teach every child to raise their voice. And then, my brothers, then, will justice be demanded by 10 million righteous men. Make them hear you. And when they hear you, I'll be near you again. May the Most High God continue to bless the women and men of the American Council of the Blind. Thank you. Okay. There's enough tears up here to swamp a battleship, I think. <laughs> Okay. Kleenex to the head table, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. A case is on its way. <laughs> All right. For the office of second vice president, the nominating committee has put forward the name of Ray Gamble from Glen Ellen, Illinois. Are there any other nominations from the floor? Are there any other nominations from the floor? Are there any other nominations from the floor? Hearing none, the nominations will close and the body shall cast a vote. All those in favor for Ray Campbell for second vice president, say aye. aye. Opposed? Congratulations, Ray. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you, ACB. And uh, first and foremost, thank you for showing the confidence in me. I guess you like this naive little farm kid from Winnebago County, Illinois. Um, <laughs> I want to give a few other thank yous out here. First of all, uh, to my my life partner, uh, my beautiful wife, Karen, back there in the Illinois delegation. I know this hasn't been the easiest convention for you, but I hope this makes it worth it. <laughs> You're going to be a great first, second vice lady. I don't know, is that a term? Is that a term? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she'll want now. a new title, Ray. We'll have to work on that. Yeah, we're going to work on that. <laughs> vice lady doesn't, just doesn't Yeah, do yeah, that's true. I, I, did, I didn't, that doesn't sound good, does it? Well, maybe we can get it the tape on that. Um, <laughs> I want to thank my, my parents, Bill and Cheryl Campbell. I don't know if you're listening back in the great forest city of Rockford, Illinois, but uh, you know, thank you for always supporting me and encouraging me and kind of pushing me to, to do things. I wouldn't be here without that. Thank you to my Illinois colleagues, Rachel Schroeder, uh, Larry Turnbull, Ann Brash, who got me into this organization, Albert Anderson, Debbie Watson, so many others, Maureen Hennigan, Brian Duffelmeyer. You guys are great. And uh, because of this, I get to sit with you again next year. So that'll be great. <laughs> and finally, a special thank you to somebody who believed in me and got me into this organization, MJ Schmidt. Uh. MJ, are you proud of me now? <laughs> well, I'm rising up the chain, and uh, it's all thanks to you believing in me and, 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 and encouraging me. Boy, this, this is hard, but we're going to move forward together. we got a great team in ACB, and uh, let's move ahead. Godspeed, folks. Thank you. Thank you. All right, for the Office of Secretary, the nominating committee has put forward the name of Denise Colley from Lacey, Washington. Are there any other nominations from the floor? Are there any other nominations from the floor? Are there any other nominations from the floor? Hearing none, the body will close nominations and to cast a vote for Denise Colley. All those in favor say aye. Opposed? Denise, congratulations. Mike seven for Denise Colley. Don, go go there ahead. We go. There we go. First of all, um, I want to say a very huge thank you to my spouse and best friend who could not be here this year due to health reasons. He's believed in me. He has lifted me up when I needed it. He has supported me. And Burl, I love you for that. <laughs> I want to say thank you to my affiliate. You guys are awesome. I had mentors like Cindy Van Winkle, Sue Amateur, and so many others in my affiliate who have helped me, who have watched me grow, and who have been with me on this journey. And finally, I want to say thank you to everyone in ACB. I have never in my life felt as supported as I have 
during the time when I was trying to make the decision about whether or not to run, to the campaigning, to this point. You supported me not only in your actions, but in what you did at a time when I didn't, th I didn't think I was going to make such a fervor on the ACBL list, but you supported me, and I thank you all for that. And I want you to know that as your new secretary, I am going to do the very best job I can for ACB because you all deserve it. Thank you. Thank you, Denise. Thank you. All right, for the Office of Treasurer, the nominating committee has put forward the name of David Trott from Talladega, Alabama to serve a second term as treasurer. Are there any other nominations from the floor? Are there any other nominations from the floor? Are there any other nominations from the floor? Hearing none, the body shall close nominations and those to cast a vote for David Trott say aye. aye. Opposed? Congratulations, David Trott. Thank you so much. You've heard all week the great things that we're doing nationally. I appreciate your support in helping me to continue this work. Thanks to President Charleston that she started, and I appreciate the support in the back back there I just heard. But I'm there because you put me here. I'm there for you, and I'm always open. Thank you. Okay. All right. Let me check the handy wristwatch here because I think the festivities are about to begin, perhaps. We've had some, some waterworks, some tears, some, some great things, but now I think we might have an election with some candidates, perhaps. Does the body wish to take a break? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> How about some door prizes? Let's, uh, if you... Uh, if you need a break, we, we encourage you to do what is necessary, <laughs> okay, um, in the appropriate area where that would be, <laughs> so, um, and we will do some door prizes, stretch, take a few breaths, and um, we'll try to resume in a, you know, in a few minutes, but yeah. let's do some door prizes, take a 10-minute okay. break. <laughs> Good morning, ACB. Good morning. Hello, everyone. Let's do some door prizes. Okay. Yes. Uh, we're going to start off. Can everybody, can everybody hear me? Okay, good. Uh, we're going to start off with a gift from Michigan. It is a uh, snow globe with um, green with etched fish and sand. It's glass. It's very heavy. I'm sure it's very pretty and glittery. And it's brought to you by the fine folks of ACB of Michigan. Thank you very much, Michigan. And the winner of the snow globe is Ellen Nolan, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh, is she here? Ellen Nolan. 
she doesn't know what snow is. <laughs> they have snow in New Mexico. Do they have mountains up there? In New Mexico. That's where she needs a globe up. I'm sorry, is Ellen here? <laughs> Yeah, she's here. Okay, All right. my son is here. Okay. okay. <laughs> Next. Next. Uh, okay. Do you, did you have another prize? Yep. Okay. We have yeah. a, a folding headset, wireless Bluetooth headphones donated by Mike Godino and Lori Sharp. Okay. We have a folding bl- uh, pe- set of Bluetooth headphones brought to you by the president of ACBNY, Lori Sharp, and first male, Mike Godino, I guess is his title. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Colleen Kitagawa, Richfield, Minnesota. Uh Colleen Kitagawa, you are here. Awesome. I think so. Nice to have door prizes to give to people. Okay. Oh, we got more. There's more. Okay. Let's see what we got here. This, I'm just going to give you my snow globe here. All right. We have another one from ACBNY. We have some more headphones. Also from Mike and Lori. They're wireless. They're wireless. Sports. They're sports. Excuse me, I gotta get in. Mm-hmm. At Joe Sorensen, Albuquerque, oh. New Mexico. Oh my goodness! Oh, good day. It's a great. Uh, are you he's here too? Awesome. <laughs> it's a very good day to be from New Mexico. I it think appears. it must be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's see what we got here. Also from ACVNY. Wow, we have a lot of wireless headphones here, but these are special. These are wireless TV headphones. So if your spouse is yelling at you for turning the TV up too high, now you can wear these. Okay. Connie Giacomini in Gilbert, Arizona. I don't think she's here. Connie Giacomini from Arizona, are you here? No? Okay. She's no. not here. Okay. okay. How about... No, I that's a confirmation, I guess. Brooke Justed, Fort uh, Collins, Colorado. She, she is not here. She left this morning. Okay. Randy Young, Pittman, Pennsylvania. Randy mm. Young, are you here? Okay. Um, After the door prizes, we're going to take some announcements. Guidis, West Hartford, Connecticut. Oh, I think it's Andrea. Is Andrea Judici. 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 Not, not here. She was in charge of our GD uh-huh. stuff this week. I'm sure she'd be like the headphones. Oh, do you pick it up oh, the snow globe? Okay. Yeah, one second. Okay, Jeff Tom, Sacramento, California. Mm-hmm. Oh, we know he's I here. I think he's here. Yep. All right. Up front. We're just distributing some door prizes here. Did we want to do Let's one do more? Let's do one more okay. door prize. All right. Oh, actually, can we do two? We got a match set. Okay. These are, um, I think I better tell you. These, this is from the Alabama Council. Thank you very much. We have two very generous packets of Scentsy variety packs. Ooh, and I can smell them from here. They smell nice. <laughs> First name, Harvey, H-E-A-G-Y. Harvey Hagee, Hagee. are you Met- here? From Louisiana. From Louisiana. Okay. Okay. M-E-T-A-I-R-I-E. Louisiana. <laughs> okay, hi, Harvey, I see ya. Second one is Cindy Collin from Chicago, Illinois. Is Cindy here? David Trevino from Newark, Delaware. He's here. He is here. All right. Okay. We have a whole bunch more, so we'll give we'll, those out We'll later be today. back, definitely. We'll need another break, so we'll be back. Let's take some announcements. First, um, I'll recognize Janet in just a second. She's at microphone five. Um, but I wanted to share with you, those of you who have been using the outdoor way to come and go from the convention center might want to be forewarned that there appears to be some heavy-duty construction going on out there today with jackhammers and very loud equipment. So that could be rather challenging. So be forewarned. 
All right, and that, thank you, Katie, for alerting us to that. Okay, Janet. Good morning, everybody. There she now is. it's on. All right, a couple of reminders. <laughs> everybody going to Niagara Falls tomorrow, please, please, please wear your name tag. We have to have name tags on that tour because otherwise we'll have to get tags from Niagara and it's going to delay the tour. So do not forget your name tag. And again, reminder, dogs are fine on Niagara Falls unless your dog has a big problem with water. We still have found a pill uh, box with medication in was found this morning in the Life Membership Breakfast. I have it in my purse, so come and see me in the Minnesota delegation or at the volunteer check-in desk. At the information desk, there is still an Orbit 20 Braille display. There is a pocket knife. There's a hairbrush and a candle. There's still a woman's sunglasses. They've been there for quite a while. And the lightning earphone, uh, headphone to lightning. And a set of earphones. So there's earphones and the set of headphones. The ACB Cafe will be open today till 3 p.m. And that is all that... Oh, and we still have a ring that was found in the auction. Okay. And that's all I have. Thank See you. See you all at the banquet. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, any other announcements? All right. So remember that we spoke about badges and dots and red dots on your badges. You need to have your badges on for voting. So be sure you've got your badges and that you're wearing them in order to, uh, to get, you know, a ballot and, and participate in the voting process. You need your, ba you need your badges. Okay, and I also want just to give you fair warning that um, if there's an election with more than one candidate, um, that does require a, a vote, a standing, a record vote with uh, ballots and roll call. And that process does require closing the doors of the room so that we don't have people coming and going. We can't get an accurate count on on the election process if people are running around the room and leaving and coming and that sort of thing. So, so that will happen as well. We're not there yet, but just to be warned, um, it is kind of a good thing that the, there are facilities inside this ballroom, so it's not quite as serious as sometimes. So are we ready to proceed? This is, this is Karen Campbell. Um, I just want to ask um, if you could tell people who are not going to the banquet and who have ALDs what they need to do with them after session today. Thank you. All right. I'll hope, hopefully somebody who knows the answer to that question will answer that because I don't. So. Take them down to ah. We're open until 2. Okay. Nancy Becker tells me that if you're not going to the banquet... You need to return ALDs to registration on the first floor of this building, and they're open till 2 p.m. today. All right, and then, of course, at the banquet, you use your ALDs and turn them in after that at the banquet. Anyone else need a, um, an announcement or 
excuse me? Microphone. Microphone eight, I think. Oh, I, I'm back here. I don't know. I haven't been in a whole while. I'm do? on. Slide. Hi, Mike Cadino, MMS. Hello. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. The uh, MMS has selected its last winner for the week. That's Christy. Kristen, oh. are you here? I have it in my pocket. I can give it okay. to you now. And, and I'd like to also let folks know I am a member of the New York State affiliate, the host affiliate. We're outside at the uh, marketplace. We have a table. We have candy. We have hoodies. The hoodies <laughs> use the New York State logo, I Heart ACB. I love ACB. Hence, uh, forward. So we're out there. We have all sizes, and we have candy bars. And if you see anybody from New York, please get a candy bar. Please get a hoodie. And uh, thank you from me, Mike Godino, the MMS committee. And uh, we'll see you next year. Thank you. All right. I just want to remind people that the mini mall is over. The sidewalk sale is over at the right back corner of the room. Uh, I've been watching those sales go up on Square. And remember that um, we do have Braille Forum tickets and also um, the 30-ounce vacuum-sealed steel tumblers are on sale. And if there's any left, the etched mugs are also on sale. The etched mugs that are 24 ounces and say ACB in Braille and print. And, of course, the shirts and the jackets. Thank you. Ray has a couple delegate changes to announce. Um, microphone nine Mike for nine. Ray. Thank you. Thank you. Um, two more delegate changes um, for ACB Radio Amateurs. Um, Gary Johnson will now be the alternate delegate. And for the North Carolina Council of the Blind, Ricky Scott is now their delegate, and Ellen Casey is their alternate delegate. Thank you. Thank you, Ray. All right, I want to... Um, to recognize the parliamentarian for um, some background information relating to um, a previous vote we took this morning. Okay, so we've received some questions regarding the, the constitutional amendment which was adopted earlier and the, the voice vote uh, was deemed to have adopted and there were, there were some people in the back of the room calling for uh, a record vote and I just want to confirm that I counted the bodies standing up at the time Article 3, Section C requires 25 people to uh, demand a record vote. And the count that I got of the number of people standing was 12. So that's why the chair uh, proceeded. Yeah, I got you. Thank you. Thank you, Alicia. I I got carried down. Oop, sorry. That was me. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sounded like someone ran into it, but it was a thunk. All right. All right, we will, we will proceed with the election of Denise Colley uh, to secretary of ACB. We now have a vacancy, a one-year vacancy in the remainder of her term as a member of the board of directors. So there is no nominee for this position from the nominating committee because there was no vacancy when they met. So therefore, we are opening nominations for the position of one-year term to fill the vacancy on the ACB Board of Directors. Are there any nominations from the floor? Microphone seven. 
Six, sorry. Hello? Microphone six. Go okay. ahead. Uh, members and friends, I put in my uh, nomination the name of Donna Brown from West Virginia. The name of Donna Brown has been placed into nomination. Okay. Uh, Are there any other nominations from the floor? Microphone five. Madam Chair. Yes. I, I place a nomination the name of Kenneth Simeon Sr. Yes, Kenneth Simeon Sr. from Texas. Yes. Beaumont, Texas into nomination. Are there any other nominations from the floor? Um, are there any other nominations from the floor? Are there any other nominations from the floor? Hearing none, is there a motion to close nominations? Okay, all those in favor of closing nominations, say aye. Aye. Opposed? All right, in the order that they were nominated, I'll ask Donna Brown to identify her speakers. And that's microphone five, I believe. Seven. Oh, Seven. excuse me. Ah. <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, speaking first okay. for me will be Doug Powell from Virginia. All right. And second will be Susan Glass from California. Thank you. All right, and I'd just like to identify the speakers for Kenneth Semyon as well, and then we'll proceed in the order, if that's okay. Um, for Kenneth Semyon, microphone six. I'm trying to. Okay, there you I was go. hoping you could hear me. Okay, I will have Peggy Garrett, president uh, from Texas, to speak on my behalf uh -huh. initially, and then Mitch Pomerantz and from Mitch California. Mitch Pomerantz, all right. Okay, and, and um, candidates have five minutes in total between the two speakers. So we will return to Donna Brown's nominating speakers. I believe the first speaker is Doug Powell. At microphone six. Six. Yep, Go ahead, Doug. You're on the mic. Okay, great. Uh, ladies and gentlemen. Closer. Ladies and gentlemen, um, I've known Donna for years uh, she, in her neighboring state of West Virginia, and she has uh, held several <laughs> positions at the state level, including president of the Mountain State Council. She is an AT specialist in West Virginia. She's a former teacher at the blind school. Uh, she's a Paralympic swimmer, yay. Nice. <laughs> and she, um, she's, she's been, and most of you know her as the chair of the walk, um, the ACB walk. And also she's been a, a tireless worker on the uh, committee for the uh, RDC, the Resource Development Committee. Um, she, uh, she's also been on the membership and affiliate strategic action team. So I believe she has a great breadth of experience and interest. And... Um, so, oh, she was also an elected seat on the Board of Publications. So she's done a number of things for ACB, and I think she'd be a great addition to the board. And I'll uh, cede the rest of my time to Susan Glass. It is an honor and privilege to speak on behalf of Donna Brown. 
I've known Donna for the last five or so years, 2014, 2013, and I know her in two specific contexts. First, she has been serving on the American Association of Blind Teachers board with me, and uh, she's actually now going to become our treasurer. We're thrilled about this this year. Uh, I also know her in the context of co-service on an audio description subcommittee known as the Beatty, Benefits of Audio Description in Education. Donna is tireless when it comes to advocating for anyone and any cause in whom she believes. And I speak with reference to her advocacy for the students she teaches, for fellow teachers, and for the people in the Beatty contest. I would say that Donna is one of these people who capably can balance her personal life and her compassion with very hard work. Let me just tell you some of the things that she's been doing for the Beatty contest. We, every year, recruit student essayists to write reviews for films that they have seen, generally educational films that are audio described. And you want to take a guess where most of our candidates come from? West Virginia. And you want to know why? Because Donna Brown, knows her constituents and can get the schools interested and involved and she is always there doing that for us. She is a technology specialist in the state of West Virginia and moves from school to school and teacher to teacher and note taker to note taker and computer to computer and she's a person who can walk into a situation, ask the right questions, assess things, take command and get work done. She has a great warm heart. She's been a dear friend, and ACB can do no better than to elect Donna Brown to its board of directors. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. All right, now for speakers for Kenna Simeon. We'll go to Peggy Garrett at mic number six or seven. Peggy? Five. Five. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You're on. It is with great pleasure. Uh, I feel very honored to be able to stand here this morning and speak on behalf of Kenneth Simeon Sr. I met Kenneth in 2007 when I joined the Houston chapter. He was a member there. Um, however, he lived in the Beaumont area and had taken on the responsibility of ensuring that the Beaumont members had transportation to travel a little over two hours to and from our meetings. In 2009, he established the Beaumont chapter, mainly because it was easier and they didn't have to have transportation to attend our meetings. That chapter started with 16 members, but due to his outreach, uh, just his hard work, he has grown that chapter to 54 members. Wow. Kenneth, Kenneth served as second vice president for the ACB of Texas. He also served six years as ACBT president. Four of those six years, I was honored to serve as his first VP. Now, most of you who know Kenneth know he's a very hard worker. But let me tell you something about Kenneth. As hard as he works, he has no problem with delegating. And I can attest to that. <laughs> Everything that Kenneth did during those year, those six years, those four years that I was first VP, he made sure that I was in the loop. If anything came up, 
I, I was in a position where I could step in because I had the information that was required to do that. Kenneth is a man of integrity. He has a compassion for people. He has a respect for himself as well as for the people that he meets. You know, Kenneth, as I said, is a hard worker, but it doesn't just start with ACB, ACBT, and HCB. He outreaches into his local community. He has contacts with all of the local as well as uh, state legislators. He's just an all-around active man who, who believes in the things that he does. As president of ACBT, he implemented many, many policies and programs that have made a difference. He started a program called Partners for Success, where he outreaches to different companies. They provide sponsorships for our convention as well as our, um, local, our state newsletter. But it's not about what they can do for us. It's, a what about, it's also a what about we can do to work with them as well. As I said, he's a man of integrity. He believes yeah. in yeah. making things work for the organization and not just, he doesn't promote himself. Yeah. He's just humble, just a gentle spirit, but believes in ACBT. I could stand here and tell two, you all day about all the things that he's done, but <laughs> I say to you this morning, I encourage you to vote for Kenneth Simeon Sr. to fulfill this position. Thank you. Mitch at microphone one. About two minutes. Mike, one, please. Go ahead. Fellow ACB members, go. I rise to speak on behalf and to support Kenneth Simeon Sr. for the Board of Directors of the American Council of the Blind. Kenneth worked for 22 years as a manager with Southwestern Bell, now AT&T. He has been an active and contributing member of the American Council of the Blind since 2005. He served on the membership committee from 12 to 16 and a member of the DKM committee since 2012, where he has served as its chairperson since 2016. We all know how successful DKM has been during Kenneth's time as chairperson. Kenneth also served as ACB Lions president for two years and regularly participated in the ACB legislative seminar and Capitol Day. But above and beyond his state and national leadership activities, Kenneth Semyon Sr. adheres to a code of values that are essential for leadership and for everyday life. Accountability, commitment, integrity, authenticity, compassion, and transparency. Kenneth is fair and open-minded while recognizing ACB uh, culture and traditions. He leads by example, a trait that will be a valuable asset on the board. The American Council of the Blind needs Kenneth Semyon Sr. and his approach to getting things done. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't endorse candidates lightly. You know me better than that. But today, I wholeheartedly stand before you to endorse Kenneth Semyon Sr. for ACB Director. Please give him your support with your vote. Thank you. All right. Thank you. 
All right, I, I have conferred with Nancy Becker, who is managing the volunteer team for vote, voting and ballot distribution. So we are now preparing to, um, to close the doors. So we'll be, um, people can, who don't need to be standing should try to be seated um, if you can so that that eliminates confusion during this process where ballots will be distributed. So the, um, the room has been divided into sectors and various volunteers have been assigned to those sectors. So the first step in our process, and we do this very systematically, so is that you will receive a three by five card, which is your ballot. So when you get your ballot, hold on to your ballot. Don't rip it into pieces. Don't scribble on it. Don't make a paper airplane to send me a message. That isn't going to be a good idea. You just hold on to it until we verify that everyone in the room has a ballot who is eligible to vote. And then at that stage, we will give instructions as to what you need to do to cast your ballot for the candidate you wish to vote for. So while the volunteers are beginning to distribute the ballots, we are going to hear a resolution. So if Nancy needs a microphone, go ahead and mic eight for Nancy. The doors aren't locked yet, so just give us a minute. Sure. Okay. Oh, oh, that was quick. Okay. All right. The doors have been sealed, and um, they are beginning to distribute ballots. And we are turning to Mark and Gabe for resolution. All right. Uh, Madam President, this is Gabe, and I have one here that I will read. It is with uh, accessible pedestrian signals and leading pedestrian intervals. Leading pedestrian intervals? Okay. Uh, yes. Leading Those are the numbers, right? Just interval. <laughs> what's, I'm sorry, what's that? Those are the numbers, right? The numbers. <laughs> um, not exactly. Oh, then I'm going to learn. Okay. Ho hopefully it will become okay. clear. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's listen because this is an important subject on accessible pedestrian signals. Whereas pedestrians ages 65 and older accounted for 20% of all pedestrian deaths in 2016. And whereas the incidence of vision impairment increases with age, and people in their 80s are more than twice as likely to have a vision impairment as people in their 70s according to the National Center for Health Statistics. And whereas, according to the recently published research, parentheses, Varma et al. 2016, close parentheses, the number of older persons experiencing visual impairment, including visual impairment due to uncorrected refractive error 
is projected to double by 2050. And whereas the increasing complexity of the design of intersections in conjunction with new modes of wheeled transportation, including but not limited to quiet cars with engine stop-start ESS technology, electric vehicles, uh, electric bicycles, and motorized scooters create greater difficulties and an increasing risk of death or injury to pedestrians who are blind or have low vision when using, uh, when using sidewalks or crossing intersections. And whereas traffic signals for pedestrians have only visual walk and don't walk signs activated with a push button on a traffic pole and are not mandated to be equipped with accessible pedestrian signals, APS, in the Federal Highway Administration Manual on Uniform Traffic Control Devices, MUTCD, and whereas traffic signals frequently are being programmed with leading pedestrian signals, LPI, LPI signalization to give pedestrians a head start to cross the intersection to reduce vehicle and pedestrian conflict. And whereas the MUTCD section 4E.06 pedestrian intervals and signal phases guidance uh, number six states, if a leading pedestrian interval is used, it should be at least three seconds in duration and should be timed to allow pedestrians to cross at least one lane of traffic or in the case of a large corner radius to travel far enough for pedestrians to establish their position ahead of the turning traffic before the turning traffic is released. And whereas the MUTCD section 4E.07 supports uh, number three states, if a leading pedestrian interval is used without accessible features, 
pedestrians who are visually impaired can be expected to begin crossing at the onset of the vehicular movement when drivers are not expecting them to begin crossing. And whereas the MUTCD section 4E06 guidance number five states, if a leading pedestrian interval is used, the use of accessible pedestrian signals, parentheses C sections 4E09 through 4E13, close parentheses, should be considered. And whereas there is LPI signalization research for pedestrians who are blind or have low vision, which finds, one, intersections with complex signalizations, including LPI, can benefit from APS, and two, ongoing analysis of data have suggested that APS, dis, uh, sorry, APS decreased the delay in starting the starting to cross increased the number of crossings that participants began independently and within the walk interval increased the number of crossings that were completed before the signal changed and reduced the number of requests for assistance and whereas the only effective means of providing equal access to LPI, LPI signalization is to mandate the installation of APS devices and this will require amending the MUTCD through the National Committee on Uniform Traffic Con uh, Control Devices, NCUTCD. Now therefore be it resolved. <laughs> <laughs> And I recommend to do pass. Uh, uh, okay, now, now therefore be it resolved that ACB staff in consultation with the Environmental Access Committee, EAC, begin the process of requesting amendments to the MUTCD by submitting a written statement to the NCUTCD urging that the next edition of the manual include a mandate for the installation of accessible pedestrian signals at sites whenever and wherever 
a pedestrian traffic signal uses LPI signalization. And be it further resolved that researchers certified, uh, I'm sorry, researchers, comma, certified orientation and mobility specialists, the EAC, and other relevant subject matter experts be consulted throughout this process and be it further resolved that this organization urges the U.S. Access Board to revise its proposed public right-of-way accessibility guidelines, P-R-O-W-A-G, to require the installation of APSs whenever and wherever pedestrian traffic signals are in use through an ADA transition plan giving priority to intersections using LPI signalization. And the committee recommends a due pass. All right. So, <laughs> so to cast a ballot, you have to remove corners. You do not leave it untouched. That will be an invalid ballot. So to vote for Donna Brown, you will tear off one corner. To vote for Kenneth Semyon, you will tear off two corners. Okay, Donna Brown, tear off one corner. Kenneth Semyon, tear off two corners. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And do not throw your corners all over the floor in great ecstasy because you've cast your ballot. <laughs> Otherwise, ACB will have a very hefty cleaning fee. <laughs> all right. So if you've, everyone has cast their ballot, my dog wants to vote. She's, <laughs> she's wagging her tail. All right. Um, so... We're going to instruct the volunteers to now collect your ballots. And we will, um, so collect the ballots, go, go ahead. And um, they'll either prompt you to put it into the box. They pass the box around and you slide your ballot into the slot in the top of the box in the, in the voting ballot box. Okay, everybody good? Yay, all right. Then we're back to the resolution on accessible pedestrian signals and LPIs. I have to tell you that I can't imagine that anyone would... The work that the Environmental Access Committee put into this resolution was extremely commendable. Then they have some very knowledgeable people on that committee that know the manual of uniform traffic control devices and all the regs and my commendations to that committee for um, excellent work. All right, we have a speaker who wishes to speak um, at microphone six. Is that regarding the, resol the resolution? It is. All right. Was there uh, a question actually, was there thought to, I noticed that one of the uh, re resolved was to uh, add uh, 
audible pedestrian signals wherever there were LPIs. Shouldn't there be, couldn't we uh, just put accessible signals at every, uh, you know, we need to change that manual so that every intersection that has visual pedestrian signals also has accessible pedestrian signals. Could we not insert that and then differentiate between, you know, what needs to happen specifically for LPIs as well? I, I would defer to members of the committee who discussed this. M Madam President, um, I this, don't. this would go beyond the scope oh, of, Gabe. of this. Oh, yeah, yeah, This is Gabe, sorry. Yes, I thank you. <laughs> um, I believe this would, we believe this would go beyond the scope of this resolution, so that would not be a friendly amendment. Right. Now, the, let me just comment that I understand where Doug is coming from. Um, and I understand, I'd love to jump up and say, yay, that's a great idea. But I think we know what the reality is. If we told every city in town they had to put an audible signal at every intersection, they'd probably look at us like we had horns and not listen. I'm getting that in my own town because they're telling me, well, what's your priority? There's three intersections that I'm working to get signals at. And they keep saying, what's your priority? We only have so much money. Well, that's so... That's fine, but if we get the standard in the manual, then we can work out the implementation. I, I would say that a lot of thought and a lot of debate went into this at the committee level and at the resolutions committee level, and they opted not to do that. They felt that was not the most effective way to get this started, maybe later on down the road, but right now, we just want to get them installed. So let's do it the most expeditious way we can and get as many in as we can. And don't hesitate, people, to ask in your communities because there are, there are state monies. It sometimes can be a process, but hold their toes to the fire. I'm sorry, Madam Chair, could so, I have a point of information, please? This is um, I'd again. like to proceed with the election, but... Uh, yeah, I would too. Okay, okay. Uh, so um, I just want to ask... When that manual comes up for revision and how often? I don't know if anyone on the resolutions committee knows that. It is, um, if there's someone who knows, um, let's try microphone three in case someone there knows the answer to Doug's question. I do not. Madam Chair? Yes. I was trying to figure out the mic so I didn't hear his question. I serve on the Environmental Access Committee. Kathy Lyons, thank yes. you, from New York. Yes, sorry, I forgot that part. Uh, um, does Doug want to repeat his question? No, the, the question was how often does the manual for uniform tra traffic control devices be, get modified? Not very often. Yeah. <laughs> and under okay. the current administration, trying to get anything like PROAG or, you know, any of those proposed rulemaking and regulations and all of that, it, it might happen in 2021. Yeah. All right. So, okay. Thank you. What I I'll recognize... Came, um, wait, Kara, wait, please. The reason I came to the mic... Okay, is, let's hurry. Is, yes, is to summarize what that complicated resolution is trying to say in layman's English. It cites a lot of the manual, etc., etc., but 
if you put it in one sentence, what it's saying is that if there is a leading pedestrian interval, that's the walk, don't walk, which comes on before the cars get the green light. So if you have that leading pedestrian interval, it's not usable by blind people unless there is also an accessible pedestrian signal. So that's basically a summary of what the resolution was intended to accomplish. Thank you, Kathy. Mm -hmm. All right, I want to ask the body, is there anyone who still has a ballot in their hand and has not had it collected? They are now going to the counting process. So we will continue to have discussion on this resolution or proceed to a vote. Are there others waiting to speak about this resolution? Microphone seven. It's not. Oh, good. Go, yeah, Ooh. it's there. Go ahead. Identify yourself. Yep. Hi. Oh, I'm echoing. Sorry. It's Karen Gorgie from New York City, and I do serve on um, the Environmental Access Committee. And Stay I think, close to the mic. There you go. I am, but I'm being yes, echoed, and it's go making ahead. me nuts. You're good. Uh, anyway. Um, in the session that we had uh, on last Saturday, um, Lucas Frank was one of our panelists and made this point that in the next couple of months, the revision to the MUTCD manual, et cetera, is going to launch. I do. I do. The time to do this is now. And the LPI, I hope it's clear to everybody, what happens is there's such a delay before we know that we're safe to cross that many more people are being put at risk. And that's why it's fair to say that this issue needs to be a priority. It's a more dangerous situation than, let's say, a standard intersection with, you know, four legs, as they say, and you have standard parallel traffic. This thing is really risky for us, and that's why the committee made the decision to put all that language, we're sorry it was so long, but it builds up all that the traffic engineers and the governmental people need to see in order that they understand that this is a full case and it needs their attention and it needs change right now. Please vote for this resolution. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. All right. Shall we proceed for a vote on this resolution? Yeah. Oh, we'll go to microphone eight, and then after that, we'll see if we can take a vote. Madam microphone President. eight. Microphone eight. Microphone eight. Go Hi. ahead. This is Becky Davidson. I'm chair of She's the, the EAC, chair. Of, yes. And I've been trying to get your attention <laughs> for a while here. So Kathy and Karen have brought up this. But those of you who don't necessarily live in urban areas may not have experienced LPIs yet. But over the past year, over the past couple of years in New York City, the number of, of LPIs has increased to 2,200 intersections. And that means that this is a trend that's going to come across all of the United States. So 
we need to make our voices heard. We now have allies with organizations like America Walks and, of course, the AER. Uh, but we have a lot of both educating and work to do, and this is a great place to start. Thank you. Thank you, Becky. Thank you for your service on the committee. All right. The resolution, we're going to turn to a vote on the resolution. All those in favor of supporting this resolution and adopting it, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed, say no. The resolution is adopted. All right, I'd like to um, recognize at, at some point Dan Spoon to a microphone for an announcement that applies to the election process. And we're going to get ready for a roll call, but I want Dan to give his Mike announcement too. first. All right. Dan, I think you may have an announcement to make with respect to another position that may, probably I recall it being my first uh, decision as president. So I'm, I'm recognizing you. Thank you. Thank you, um, <clears throat> Kim. Uh, first, uh, we need to appoint two positions to the Board of Publications. Uh, the first is the chair, and the second is an appointed position to the board. Uh, I'm going to appoint Deb Cook-Lewis as the chair of the Board of Publications Committee. She hails yeah. from the state of Washington. And then serving her second term as an appointed position will be Susan Glass from California. Thank you. Thank you. The reason I asked Dan to do that now is because um, Deb Lewis is an elected member of the Board of Publications. She has just been appointed chair of the Board of Publications. That has now created a one-year vacancy on the Board of Publications. So we need people to be thinking about that. We're not going to talk about it at this point because we are about to take a roll call vote for our board's position, but I wanted you to have some time to think because we do want someone to fill that vacancy. Right. All right. So I will now turn to the secretary who will call the roll for this election. Yes, I have to finish my current job before I can start my new one. <clears throat> all right, now we're going to queue up the same way we did Saturday night. So all state, all affiliates from states with names beginning A through G, please start making your way to microphones. And then um, I'll call it, as we get closer, I'll call the rest of them, and we'll do like we did Saturday night. All right. So, and be close to the mics. It is a little tricky to hear up here, so, but you need to be right on the mics. So, Okay. For the position, uh, you're voting for Donna Brown or Kenneth Simeon Sr. Alabama, you have seven votes. Mike won, probably. Hi. Whoop. Yep. There you go. Michael Talley, Alabama, seven yep. votes. Kenneth Simeon Sr. Seven, Simeon Sr. Is it okay if I just say Simeon? I don't have to yeah. add the senior here. <laughs> okay. I think we know. Arizona, two votes. <laughs> Arizona casts one vote for Donna Brown, one vote for Kenneth Simeon. One Brown, one Simeon. Okay, Arkansas, three votes. Arkansas casts three votes for Donna Brown. Three Brown. California, 
23 votes. Yes. 14, Donna. 9, Kenneth. 14, we are, we are Brown, now opening the doors 9, as well. Simeon. So you all know we're opening the doors. So, whew, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Connecticut, Connecticut, one vote. She's on a different mic, I guess. Well, I got it. One brown. One brown. Okay. Delaware, one. Delaware? Delaware casts one vote for Kenneth Simeon Sr. One Simeon. D.C., one vote. D.C. casts... Go down. Closer? D.C. casts one half for Brown and one half for Simeon. Okay. 0.5 Brown, 0.5 Simeon. Florida, 25. You're welcome. Florida uh, votes 12.5 for Donna Brown, 12.5 for Kenneth Simeon. Okay. 12.5 Brown, 12.5 Simeon. Georgia, 7. Okay. Georgia casts seven votes for Donna Brown. Seven Brown. Hawaii, three. Yeah, Hawaii casts three votes for Simeon. Three Simeon. Illinois, four. Hello? Okay. You're there. Illinois You're casts there. three votes Brown, one Simeon. Three Brown, one Simeon. Indiana, seven. Indiana casts four and a half for Kenneth, two and a half for Donna. Okay, and uh, before I go on, uh, let me, four, okay, four and a half for, for Simeon, two and a half Brown. Okay, I'll make sure I got it right. And uh, the rest of the states, H through N, start get lined up. Iowa, four. Iowa votes two for Simeon and two for Brown. Two Simeon, two Brown. Kansas, three votes. Kansas votes two votes Simeon, one vote Brown. Two, or one, excuse me, one Brown, two Simeon. Bluegrass, four votes. Bluegrass casts four votes for Simeon. Um, okay, let me get over the right column. For Simeon. Kentucky, 12 votes. Kentucky casts 12 votes for Simeon. Okay, 12 Simeon. Louisiana, four votes. Louisiana, four votes. It's not on. There you go. There, we go. there it is. Louisiana, three Brown, one Simeon. Three Brown, one Simeon. Maine, one vote. Maine votes one for Brown. One Brown. Maryland, three votes. It's not on. Okay, there it is. There, yes, okay. it is. Maryland casts 2.5 Donna and 0.5 Kenneth. Okay. <clears throat> 2.5 Brown, 0.5 Simeon. Bay State, eight votes. 
Base state casts 4.5 votes for Brown, 3.5 votes for Simeon. 4.5 Brown, 3.5 Simeon. Yes. Michigan, six votes. Michi Michigan casts six votes for Simeon. Six Simeon. Minnesota, three votes. Two Simeon, one Brown. One Brown, two Simeon. Mississippi, six votes. Mississippi, three Brown, three Simeon. Three Brown, three Simeon. Missouri, 25 votes. Okay. Uh, Missouri casts 14 votes for Simeon and 11 votes for Brown. Four, or 11 Brown, 14 Simeon. AC of Nebraska, one vote. I'm trying to get there, all right. Yes? Yeah, all right. One, Nebraska, one vote Simeon. All right. One Simeon. New York, eight votes. ACB of New York casts five vote, votes Brown, three both votes Simeon. Five Brown, three Simeon. North Carolina, four votes. The great state of North Carolina casts four votes for Brown. Uh, for Brown, will the state's letters O through W start lining up? North Dakota, eight votes. <coughs> North Dakota, seven Simeons, one Brown. One Brown, seven Simeon. Ohio, ten votes. Go ahead. Okay. You're there. Ohio, 6.5 Brown. 3.5 Simeon. 6.5 Brown, 3.5 Simeon. Oklahoma, 20 votes. I'm not on? Oh, I'm on. Yeah, you Oklahoma are. casts 20 votes for Donna Brown. 20, 20 Brown. Oregon, 6 votes. Oregon, 4 for Simeon, 2 for Brown. Okay, four Simeon, or yeah, yeah, four Simeon, two Brown. Oops. Pennsylvania, ten votes. Pennsylvania, whoops, sorry about that. <clears throat> Pennsylvania, um, eight Brown, two Simeon. Eight Brown, two Simeon. South Dakota, two votes. South Dakota casts two votes, Simeon. Two Simeon. Tennessee, five votes. Tennessee casts 4.5 Brown, 0.5 Simeon. 4.5 Brown, 0.5 Simeon. Texas, 12 votes. Texas casts 12 votes for Kenneth Simeon. 12 Simeon. Utah, 22 votes. All 25 for Brown? Uh, you have 22, but... Oh, you... all 22 for Brown. I'm sorry. I, I was trying to find the mic. 22, Brown. Vermont, three votes. Vermont, three, Simeon. Three, Simeon. ACB, Virginia, two votes. 
ACB of Virginia, 1.5 Brown, 0.5 Simeon. 1.5 Brown, 0.5 Simeon. Washington, 17 votes. Washington casts 11 Brown, 6 Simeon. 11 Brown, 6 Simeon. Mountain State, two votes. West Virginia casts two votes for Brown. Two Brown. Wisconsin, one vote. Wisconsin, one vote Brown. One Brown. And we're about to go to the special interest affiliates, so everybody A and B start queuing up. Wyoming Council of the Blind, one vote. Wyoming, one vote, Simeon. All right, one Simeon. AAVL, two votes. AAVL cast 1.5 for Brown, 0.5 for Simeon. 1.5 Brown, 0.5 Simeon. Teachers, two votes. AAB teachers, two votes, Brown. Two Brown. Attorneys, two votes. Attorneys cast their two votes for Kenneth Simeon Sr. Two Simeon. Diabetics, three votes. <laughs> ACBDA, 1.5 Simeon, 1.5 Brown. 1.5 Brown, 1.5 Simeon. Families, three votes. Families cast two votes for Kenneth Simeon, one vote for Donna Brown. Uh, one Brown, two Simeon. Government employees, one vote. I, I don't know where Bill is, but government employees votes for Donna Brown. Okay. Okay, one Brown. Lions, three votes. ACB Lions casts one vote Brown, two votes Simeon. One Brown, two Simeon. Radio Amateurs, one vote. Radio Amateurs casts its vote for Donna Brown. One Brown. Students, three votes. ACBS, two for Simeon and one for Brown. Two, uh, one Brown, two Simeon. Yes. Bits, five votes. Bits catch five Brown. Five Brown. Blind LGBT Pride, five votes. BPI casts five votes, Donna Brown. Okay, five Brown. Could all the rest of the special interest affiliates start queuing up? Braille Revival League, eight votes. The Braille Revival League casts six votes, Brown, two votes, Simeon. Six, Brown, two, Simeon. CCLVI, 12 votes. CCLVI casts all its votes for Simeon. Okay. Uh, 12, Simeon. Friends and Art, two votes. Okay, I heard her. She said one for Simeon, one for Brown. One, so one Brown, one Simeon. Guide dog users, 16 votes. Guide dog users cast 16 votes for Donna Brown. 
16, Brown. <laughs> Ivy, two votes. Ivy, Cass, oh, sorry about that. Okay, Ivy, Cass, point one for Brown, uh, and one point, point five for Brown, and one point five for Simeon. Sorry about that. Okay, point five, point five Brown, one point five Simeon. Library users, six votes. Library users does three for Brown and three for Simeon. Three Brown, three Simeon. And the last affiliate, Randolph Shepard Vendors, 22 votes. Hey, Randolph Shepard Vendors of America cast 17 votes Simeon and five votes Brown. Okay, five Brown, 17 Simeon. Madam President, that completes roll call. Thank you. Madam Chairman, um, Madam Chair, could you tell me the ruling? Is it on the BOP that only one person can uh, serve from a state? And is that true just for the, I mean, is there one designation for the appointed and another for the elected? Or is it one per state overall? Are you talking about for the Board of Directors? Y no, Board of Publications. Oh, the Board of Publications. Um, there, there is a, a rule in place from the Constitution um, and I can't remember if it's in a bylaw, so John may have to help me. Um, but that, that there is that you cannot have um, people serving from a multiple state. I think I meant to say the multiple people from a state as opposed to a people from a multiple state, if you all understand what I'm saying. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> I don't even understand myself, so... <laughs> So I hope that was perfectly clear. <laughs> All right. Yes, you can, Alicia. That's I want to get... Oh, Nancy, yes. Okay, Nancy's going to give us the numbers here for the election. Um, he, he turned it off. It's a switch. Mike Nine and the, okay. flip the switch. Grand total, okay. Donna Brown, 377.5. Kenneth Simeon, Sr., 339.5. So the percentages. So on the affiliate vote, Donna Brown received 54.1%. Kenneth Simmons received 45.9%. Mm. On the standing vote or the individual vote, Donna Brown received 50.9%, and Kenneth Simeon Sr. received 49.1%. Yes. Okay. So, if, if I read, that was incredibly close. Incredibly close. But to say that the, um, the winner of the election is Donna Brown. Congratulations, Donna. Are you at a mic? Seven. Mic seven, please. Is it on? Go oh, ahead. Yeah. Go. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen of ACB, thank you so much for your confidence in me. Kenneth, 
you, did, you gave me quite a run and uh, just I'm just going to do the best I can to serve you in, in, in the best way that I can and thank you again. Mm.